Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Beware the Board, a horror podcast where we select a random horror movie each week to watch. I'm Bob. And I'm Ben. How are you, Benjamin? I'm I'm doing okay. This was kind of a a last minute recording session, so Yeah. We're a little bit not I, on edge. I'm fine. I I feel like my voice is raspy. Yeah, which we, sucks. It, I can't imagine why it's raspy. <laughs> I was yelling at, it was all the crying I was doing, okay? <laughs> yeah. He, he's I was super crying. happy. Um No, I was sad about work. That's what it oh, was. Yeah. That's yeah. That's, that's why. What it, that's what it was. Any 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 new stories this week, Bob? Mm-mm. I got one. And you actually? Yeah. Awesome. Super super interesting here. Oh god. Um, okay. I was going to the class because mm-hmm. I'm I'm in college for anyone who doesn't know. Yeah, yeah. And I was going to class and you know, I was just doing some work and I see something shiny and the lizard part of my brain goes, "Ooh." No, oh, no. What'd what's you, that? Oh god, what did you find? Was it on campus? No, I was in class, so yeah, oh. I was technically on campus. Oh, see, campus is a dangerous place. You'll find weird things there. So my lizard, the lizard part of my brain went, ooh, what's that? And I look down, and it's my hand. And I'm like, what's that? And so uh, I had a piece of metal stuck in my hand from work the night previous. What the fuck? So for 12 hours, there's just like this big, like a metal sliver uh, stuck in my hand. Ow! How did you not feel that? I don't know. I think it went in sideways. So I didn't bleed or anything. It was just stuck under the skin. Ooh. Um, ah. Then, like, the center of my palm, too. So, like, I could curl around it without it pressing into anything. Ah, god damn. Um, that sucks. So, yeah, that had been there for, like, 12 hours at that say, point. If you found that while you were at class today, that definitely happened <laughs> so, last night sometime. For the rest of class, I was kind of just, like, trying <laughs> to get it out. And so I had to walk home before my next class, get oh a needle, God. dig it out, and then ah. pull it out with, like, tweezers. Oh, fuck that, dude. That fucking sucks. Yeah. So that, I thought you'd enjoy that. Oh, I, it was fine. Oh, I don't like the image of that. Ugh. You and your bodily harm. How do you keep hurting yourself? Like, I know our job is kind of dangerous sometimes. I didn't even feel when I got that one. I'm That's what I'm honest, saying. Like, how did you not notice that? Because it was really sharp oh. and thin, so it just kind of slid in there like a hot knife through butter. That is not a fun... I don't like that analogy when it comes to people. I don't like the idea of a hot knife going through a person. Uh, that that can't happen. That sounds cool, though. Have you seen... Have you heard of those accidents at, like, steel factories and stuff? Oh, God, no. Yeah. Oh, well, I learned a new term that while we're talking about harming yourself on accident or work-related accidents. <laughs> Let's rephrase that statement. Yeah, or work-related accidents. Did you did you know getting degloved is a term? Uh, degloved like with rats? No. This happens at places where they have like conveyor belts. Sometimes your skin will get caught in the belt and it'll rip the skin off your hands. Yeah. Didn't know that could happen. I didn't I haven't heard the term used with people. I've heard it used with rats and mice. So, like, the reason you're not supposed to pick a rat or a mouse up by its tail, there's basically two reasons. The first reason is spinal injuries. Uh, Yeah. So, like, if you have a pet rat, don't do that. The other reason is, I think mice can also do this, but I I know very specifically rats can do it, is if you grab them by their tail, they'll start twisting, and they'll, like, get the top layer of skin to release into your hand. Oh. And they'll run away. It's kind of like a lizard losing its tail, but it doesn't lose the tail. It just loses the The whole top layers of skin. Oh. It's called degloving. Yeah. That can happen to your hands, apparently. Yeah, if you have sense. work on belts and things, kind of messy. Yeah. Oh God. That's my only story. Yeah, I don't have any. Nothing interesting happened. I, I got mean, a, I got a bubble tea before I came here. That's nice. Yeah. I Did got 
something. I don't know what kind of it says. Winter spice. It's, it says it's a winter spice latte. It definitely is not. I think they had some like leftover uh, pumpkin spice and they mixed it with like maybe some vanilla or something. Maybe or some sugar, like simple syrup. I have no idea because you can't taste pumpkin. But no, you, I can't you taste. Can smell the spice. It just tastes like hot coffee. I don't know. I like a latte. Yeah, it just is a latte. I don't know. Weird. All right. Well, I guess we're gonna do this episode now. Yeah. Um. What what category are you picking, Bob? Yeah. So. Can you can you update me on the numbers what we're sitting on? Okay, so we have three categories yeah. still. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we have slot number two mm-hmm. in pseudo documentaries. The, the middle one. I haven't done the middle yet. No, you haven't done two. Damn. Pseudo documentaries. We got one and three right okay. in the center. Uh, we have slot number one and three in demonic possession movies. Okay. And slots one and three. How did this parasite happen? Parasite movies. What? We've made like a little spaceship yeah. <laughs> out of the blocks. Pew. Um, shit, okay. I know, okay. I know you want me to pick pseudo documentaries. You've been, Just knock you've it been out. pestering me for the past week to pick it. And I don't, I don't want to. Because I, both of the movies on that category have been fucking foul. But maybe this one won't be that bad. You keep saying that. But it could be true. Unlikely. That was mean. <laughs> that wasn't mean. I'm just saying a statement. <laughs> uh, okay, based on the facts right now that I have, two-thirds of that category have been horrific. Yeah. So based on that, the last third is probably also horrific. Okay, but to be fair, I didn't realize the bay would be that bad because I kind of <laughs> forgot you were afraid of the ocean, and I didn't know you were afraid of crabs, so. Yeah, that was an update that I, yeah. So that leaves Parasites. We watched the Parasite movie last week. I fucking liked that movie so much so that I went to go and find a Blu-ray of it the day after we, we watched watch it. could watch another Parasite movie. We could watch another Parasite movie. I'd be into that. But I don't think it'll be nearly as cool as the last one. I don't know. See, you keep saying that too, and I don't feel like, I don't know if I want to throw up today. It could be pretty cool. See, I don't know if you're... Mm, cool, huh? I don't know if you're making an ice joke or if you're just using that word. That, that wasn't a nice joke. Okay. I thought you were Mr. Freezing me for a second, and I was like, oh, God. It's time for you to chill out. That movie's so fucking bad. I love it. I watched that thing so much as a kid. So I'm going to go with Demons. Boo! I know, you don't want me to pick it, but I'm so interested. Boo! Listen. Listen here. Boo! In every other category, we've got a creative, interesting movie. Yeah. We watched The Exorcist for Demons, which was a great movie. Technically, that is creative and interesting because it started the whole genre. Sure. But again, that's That's completely fair. That's like watching Scream. After you've watched the rest of like the '90s horror movies, yeah. and being like, "Wow, this is the same thing I've seen 40 times." Yeah, so that's why I'm like, "Okay, I don't really want to like. I want to see some new, some new spicy demon stuff." All right, you well, know. Also, I, mean, I get your point. I just yeah, that's you know. <laughs> Speaking of Scream, by the way, hmm? uh, did you know it's free on YouTube? You can just watch Scream with ads. I mean. I did it, not know that. It's probably still on Netflix. It's been on there forever. Yeah, I, I mean, I've never seen it. I don't, you've never seen Scream? No. Oh, yeah, we talked about that. Yeah, I know how the movie ends, and I've seen the first scary movie, which is a riff on Scream. That's so disappointing that you know how Scream ends. I mean, it's just cultural, like, I just know, you know, people talked about it. I never watched it because I didn't watch horror movies. Yeah, but I, I didn't know how Scream ends before I watched Scream. Okay, when did you watch Scream? Uh, 2012? Maybe? Yeah, okay, exactly. <laughs> but that came out in, like... The 90s. Came out in 96, but... Yeah. I went 12 whole years. Maybe even 13. Yeah, but, like, by the time I was of the age where I was like, I want to watch scary movies, I had already, like, had everything spoiled. For all the all the big ones, that is. I guess. Okay. Got one in three in Demons. Yeah. 
I'm a, nah, I'm not going to do that. That's stupid. Uh, what's in spot number one? Fuck it. Number one. We'll start. Are you sure? Yeah. One of these days I'm going to say, are you sure? And you're going to go, no, I'm not. I'm one of these days. <laughs> different I'm category, gonna... different number. <laughs> I'll, I'll make that choice one day, but today is not that day. So you sure? Yeah. What is it? I'm scared. Spot number one in Demonic Possession is The Exorcism of Emily Rose. Oh, I've heard of this. Have you? There's a lot of movies that begin with The Exorcism of. Maybe I've heard of this. I don't know. It sounds familiar. If that makes means anything to you, I don't know. I don't think that means much because, I'm going to be honest, most Demonic Possession movies have almost identical titles. I see. How many The Exorcism movies did you have to go through before you found one you liked? A good amount. Okay. A good amount. All right. Okay. Because I double check, you know? Yeah. I, I knew about this movie and I was like, that one's pretty decent, but okay. I have to check other things. You ready for the description? Yeah. After performing an exorcism, a Catholic priest is charged with negligent homicide. What the fuck? This is cool. This is, sounds interesting. You good with that? Yeah. All this right. actually sounds like an interesting movie. So it's a 2005 movie. Oh, it's, wow, that's really new, actually, compared it's to everything else. One hour and 59 minutes long. Oh, it's fucking long. God yeah, damn it. I asked if you were sure. <laughs> I was I supposed to know it was going to be a long movie. Are you ready for this, Bob? Yeah. It's your biggest fear. PG-13. Oh, shit. It's PG-13. <laughs> That's not good. That's never been good. That's never a good sign. <laughs> oh, fuck. IMDb score is a 6.7 out of 10. That's pretty good. Tomato meter, 44%. Oh. And audience score, 60%. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. People like this movie. Yeah, people, but who who do we normally agree with? You're right. You're right, <laughs> Benjamin. But that is not what I'm worried about right now. All right. So it's got four wins and nine nominations Okay. for awards. Uh, it has a Saturn Award for Best Horror Film, a Golden Trailer for Best Horror uh, Trailer, obviously. Okay. A MTV Movie Award to Jennifer Carpenter for Best Frightened Performance, and a Scream Award to Jennifer Carpenter for Breakout Performance. Oh. Huh. All right. Interesting. You couldn't tell Jennifer Carpenter's in this. Yeah, I don't know who that she is. She does a good job. Really? Yeah. Not no. top of my head. Well, we'll get to that in a second. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure I'll figure it out. All right. So, Laura Linney as Erin Brunner. So, she's Wendy Savage in The Savages and also Wendy uh, Bird from Ozark. Oh, man. I've been meaning to watch Ozark. Tom Wilkinson's as Father Moore. Uh, he's the author in The Grand Budapest Hotel. Ah, see, I've never seen One that either. One of my favorite I've movies I've heard that movie ever. so good. Shorin Agdashlu as Dr. Adani. Hmm. Uh, they played Christian Avasarla from The Expanse. I've also never seen another that. Another TV show. Yeah, yeah, another TV show. Very popular. I've heard it's good. Campbell Scott as Ethan Thomas. You might know him as Lewis Dogson in Jurassic Park. Have you seen Jurassic Park? I've seen Jurassic Park. Okay, you, you, you probably know who Dogson is. Uh, do you know the really fat guy? Oh, yeah. Ned. Yes. Landry. Yes. Not him. Okay. Do you know the guy he talks to at the very beginning of the movie? Oh, that fucking guy? Yeah. Oh. Who gives him the, the can yeah, of- Yeah, yeah, yeah. The- Shaving cream? Shaving cream, yeah. Dogson. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense now. I was like, who in the fuck are you talking about? Now He's I the know. guy from uh, the rival company. Not InGen. Um, I have not seen Jurassic Park in a long time. Jennifer Carpenter as Emily Rose- Oh, shit, she's the... Okay. She's also Angela Vidal in The Quarantine, like the American ones. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> and Deborah Morgan from Dexter. I haven't seen Dexter. She's Dexter's sister. Oh, okay. Colm Fiore as Carl Gunderson. He's King Lofi in Thor. I haven't seen... I, I haven't... 
I haven't seen Thor since it came out. Okay, but I, I thought you were going to say you hadn't seen it. No, I've like, seen well, Thor. I definitely saw hard. it when it came out. Kenneth Welsh as Dr. Mueller. He also played Dr. Richard Powell in The Void. And Wyndham Errol from Twin Peaks. Another show that I've heard is very good that yeah. I haven't seen. And The Void is like a cosmic horror film. So. Mm, no, I'm good. I'm okay. Thank you, though. All right. The director is Scott Derrickson. Uh, he also directed Sinister. And oh, I've heard Doctor that's so Strange. good. I've heard Sinister is so good. Actually, I saw... Um, and Doctor Strange. Yeah, Doctor Strange is fine. It was all right. I've I like it. Sinister, though. I've heard it's good. Well, I like most of Sinister. Yeah, I've heard... <laughs> You've heard from me. <laughs> well, no, I haven't only heard from you, but I was. I have a problem with uh, being on Twitter too much. Bitch. I saw someone talking about Sinister and how good it is. It's time to stop. I didn't get, get spoilers. No spoilers. They were just like, yeah, great movie. I was like, oh, but then the end... They didn't spoil the end of it, so we're good. Yeah. Writer is Paul Harris Boardman. He's also written Deliver Us from Evil. The other one's Scott Derrickson, mm. the director. The budget was estimated at $19 million, mm. with a box office of $145.2 million. Hell yeah. So Movie actually made some it's money. It's an okay turnout. Yeah. Apparently, even though people didn't like it, they went to see it. I mean, I would go see it in 2005. Why not? I mean, I guess. What else was coming out in 2005? Tells you a lot about how good that, that trailer was. <laughs> Yeah, that's fair, actually. Huh. Interesting. Country of origin, United States. Hell yeah. It's also known as The Exorcism of Annalise Michael, which was the working title. Ah. Um, and in Sweden, it was called Basat, which is just possessed. Okay. Simple, but easy. Uh, tagline. Ooh. Based on a true story. Okay, whatever. I un- Uninteresting. Boring. What do you mean? Come on. That's such a, like, ugh. I've heard it too many times for it to be interesting. Really? Yeah, man. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, just, I don't know why you wouldn't find that interesting. I don't know. That was a cool fact. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> I'm not attacking you. I'm attacking the fact that their tagline is just based on a true story. It's so, I don't know, it feels cliche in a lot of ways. Why? It's just every horror movie is like based on a true story. It's supposed to raise the fear factor, but it's like it's Yeah, not. but this one is based on a true story. Oh, wait, are you Bob. serious? Yeah. That's why I said that's a cool fact. Is it actually based on your story? Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. I thought it was just the movie making that up. Yeah, no, it's it's based on a real story. Oh. Yeah. Oh, that's actually... Now now, now it's interesting, see? <laughs> now now you flipped me. <laughs> this, was, this isn't like a... Because it'd be inspired by... Yeah, that, I thought no, this, this was... based on a true story. Okay, so this is actually... That's more interesting. Now this is getting more interesting. I thought it was just the movie saying that to say that. You know what I mean? Because some movies do do that. I mean, yeah. They'll go based on a true story, and it's like, it's not based on anything. It's just bullshit. They have to. If they say it, I think it legally has to be. Oh, really? Yeah. That's why they use, like, inspired. But, like, mm. how loosely depends, you know? Yeah, that's what I mean. But if this is actually based on a, a true story of someone who actually got an exorcism and died, that'd be awesome. This is cool. Yeah. Not uh, awesome that someone died and had an exorcism, but awesome that they made a movie about it, and I'm about to watch it. Yeah, I'll give you, like, the rundown of, like, the real-life story after the movie. Awesome. That'll be really cool. Just so we don't have any information that you shouldn't have gotten yeah wow uh so you didn't know jennifer carpenter no not at all because you've never seen dexter apparently Mm-mm. or i don't know what was the other thing i said she was in quarantine yeah obviously well yeah we have american remake but interestingly enough she was born and grew up in louisville kentucky oh that's cool so she's from here uh she went to sacred heart academy for high school and trained at walden theater oh huh yeah I actually, one of the dudes in one of the musicals I stage managed went came from Walden and did a show for us. It yeah. Was, it was really cool. I was surprised you hadn't heard of her because before, um, what's her name? 
Jennifer Lawrence. Mm-hmm. Jennifer Carpenter was like the famous actor from here. That makes sense. So I was just kind of surprised. <laughs> well, th- yeah, 2005. I was young. I know, but I don't know how much other stuff she, how much other things she did after this. But... I know, but well, she was in like Dexter until. I guess that's true. Didn't that show 2013? Recently, yeah, that's yeah. pretty recent. Well, I was just thinking because Hunger Games didn't come out till 2012, so Jennifer Lawrence wasn't really known. Yeah. Until 2012. Yeah, but that's when I really started to like, you know, be a person. I really don't. Have okay. Any, I really don't need memories before the age of like 13, to be honest. Like I have memories, but they're very loose. So last fact before we get into the movie, mm-hmm. because I'm saving the last one for after. Sure. Uh, Derrickson chose Boardman as a co-writer for the script, so you know, director chose the writer uh, to better portray a more neutral portrayal of possession, since Derrickson sees himself as a believer and Boardman sees himself as a skeptic. Oh, that's so, cool. So the idea is to have a fairly neutral script. Um, we'll see what you think, but that is cool. I like that. Kind of the idea here, but that—that's all I got. All right, I'm, I'm now I'm I'm not very scared, but I'm interested. And I don't know. I don't know if that's because I don't know why. I don't know, but I, I want to watch this movie now. So, uh, I guess we'll see you in a bit. All right. Bye. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. We just finished watching The Exorcism of Emily Rose. Yeah, The Exorcism right? of Emily Rose. I got it right. I said it right this time. Nice. So, uh, you know, before we get into spoilers, your initial thoughts. What do you think? Um, Let me th- let me think. Not, well, okay. It's, it is kind of what I expected, but not really. I think the fact that most of this movie takes place in a courtroom is super interesting, mm-hmm. considering nothing spooky happens in the courtroom. Yeah. Which is cool. Because it means it's like a safe space. I mean, the courtroom kind of acts as like a, a framing story. Yeah. It's very cool. Even though the courtroom is the story. Yeah. It's it's very, very cool. I li- I actually, I liked it a lot. I liked this movie. You did? Mm-hmm. I was worried when it started that I wasn't going to like it, but it was it was good. Okay. Anything else to add? Oh, you, oh, you remember, uh, you wanted me to ask you about sustains? Yeah, we'll get into that once we start talking about <clears throat> okay. it. Okay. But do you have anything else before we get into spoilers that you want to talk about? Uh, you asked me at the start of the thing to keep a look on at Jennifer Carpenter's performance. Yeah, what did you think about her? Holy shit. Great She's job. She's fucking awesome in this yeah. movie. She kills it, dude. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my lord. It's yeah. so cool. She does such a good job at being an absolute fucking maniac. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, she must have destroyed her vocal cords with some of that screaming. I had no idea. It's so cool, though. Like, she... Oh. So good. Such a good performance. I think all the acting in this movie is very good. Yeah. I don't think there was anything that was super weak or, like, bad. I think all of it is believable or, like, phenomenal. I think everyone did a good job of portraying emotion. Yeah, I agree. All right. I guess what I will add before we get into spoiler territory. Mm-hmm. Bob liked it. I think it's an interesting movie. It's very different from exorcism movies. Yes. In that general. Is... I, I, it's very much a courtroom drama yeah. story that masquerades as an exorcism movie. Yeah, I think um, it's very cool. Which, you have to know that going in. Because if you're not expecting that, you're probably going to be not necessarily disappointed, but not happy. Yeah, I think you have to... Because if, if you have expectations and those expectations aren't met, you get yeah. upset. I mean, if you were to go into this with knowledge of other ex- other possession movies, like, you know, originally The Exorcist, yeah, I would say I would be disappointed, but not, not because of... Hmm, what was I looking for? Not because of, like, the content of the movie but because of the way that the content is packaged and delivered. 
I don't right? know. Because I, w- I would argue if you if you'd seen exorcism movies before, a bunch of them like The Exorcist, stuff like that. Yeah. And you went into this movie, I think you'd enjoy it if you went into this movie knowing that it wasn't going to be a standard exorcism movie. Sure. I think that's the that's the point I want to make. Yeah. I think I, I think I can agree with that. Because I think this movie, part of what makes it work is having that background of exorcism tropes in movies. Yeah, I think I'm really glad that we watched The Exorcist before so, we got this. I think you, you do, you want that background. Mm-hmm. You want to yeah. have seen The Exorcist, you know, the, the really good exorcism movies Yeah, yeah. before you watch this. You just, you have to know going in that, hey, this is not a traditional exorcism movie. It's going to be pretty... I'd go so far as to say very different. It's very unique, which is something I like a lot. Why I, I picked it, I think, think it's, it's super so, cool. But it's so cool. It's awesome, man. Yeah, I just wanted to give that forewarning. But as always, go watch it for yourself. Yeah, I a big recommend on this one. I think it's I think it's worth it. I do too. It's a good. I don't I don't know if it really captures. I said this during the movie. This movie is the first horror movie on the show that we've watched. And I've gone like, oh, this is what I imagined when I thought of horror before we started the show. Like this is one movie that I went like, oh, this is. This is what a horror movie is. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think I necessarily get what you're trying to say. Like, conceptually, I get it, but I don't understand the emotion you're trying to portray. Yeah, it's very difficult to explain. Although, I think I, I asked you what you meant during the movie, and you said it seems very classic. So, I think what you're trying to say is, like, it seems like it's uh, a very classically shot horror movie. Maybe. I think more what I'm saying is, before we started the show, I had a very loose idea of what a horror movie was. Yeah. And when we started this movie, and I were watching I went, oh, this is what, in my brain, if I were to watch a horror movie, this is what it would have been like before we started the show. Like, I wouldn't have... Okay. It contains all the tropes that I want. It's scary in the ways that I traditionally would expect a horror movie to be scary, while also being a drama film. But would you say that makes it, like, generic or... No, actually. No, not at all. And I think that's because of the way the story is told, right? Okay. The way that it's formatted makes it unique enough that all of these tropes and all these cliches that it has in it are still good and useful to the plot. Okay. I was just wondering, because I, I think that was a an interesting opinion you had. Yeah. Because that's very much a how you experience horror. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. I mean, and also this is the first, I would say, supernatural movie we've really watched on the show. Uh... That's like super classic ghost i guess is the is what i'm looking for what do you mean you're not counting like the exorcist as a uh, supernatural movie it is but it's would you say this has more of an aspect of like unexplained supernatural yes and that's what you're yeah that's yeah. more what i'm getting okay at. kind of that it ambiguity felt, it felt ghost more ghost okay which is something that we have not really done on the show yet is a ghost movie yeah i mean i i think that might just be because and i'm gonna try and say this without doing spoilers sure that like compared to The Exorcist, which is really our our big kind of ghosty movie. Yeah, I would say either that or Night of the Demons. But both of those are very explicit. Yeah, they in are. The what is it, what it is and the methods of what's happening and yeah. what it is. This one's very different. It's very implicit. Like it's not yeah. spelled out very well, which mm-hmm. I think is something a lot of more traditional ghost stories do, where they don't really get into like the cosmology of like what's happening. It's just ghost, and we're mm-hmm. gonna leave. This ambiguity, and I think that this film does that very well, and I think that's why you're getting that kind of similar vibe. Yeah, that makes you sense. Think that's fair. Mm-hmm. But I think that's all I have to say before we get into spoilers. Yeah, and I really don't know how in depth we're gonna go because it's a long movie, and a lot of it is just people talking. Yeah, uh, it's very hard to like explain. I I'm gonna do probably the broadest strokes ever, and then I think we're gonna talk about themes. Sure, that that actually that's um, perfect. That that sounds good. So. You know, we are going to give some spoilers here. Yeah. 
in a second, but you probably could wa- like listen to what we're about to say and still enjoy the movie. Probably, yeah. Uh, I would say that's pretty fair. I would say this movie's pretty heavy on visuals really, when it comes to like the actual yeah. possession and stuff. The only thing I think we're really going to spoil is the ending. Yeah. So if you don't want the ending spoiled, stop listening here and go watch this movie now. Because if you remember my description, after performing an exorcism, a Catholic priest is charged with negligent homicide. Yes. We said this is a courtroom movie. So the whole thing is basically this trial. So mm-hmm. we're going to tell you the results. The outcome of the trial, yeah. You can kind of, everything else in the trial's things you can figure out and we're basically going to leave out during our description. Yeah. I'm only going to bring something up if it's relevant to a point I'm about to make. But even then you can still enjoy the movie. But I'd still say go watch the movie before we give you the ending of the trial. Yeah. I think it's... I, it's very interesting. It's not at all what I expected. I think it's impactful in that way that's fun to watch if you don't know. And I also think... Well, I'm not going to say that. I'll leave it. So, I guess this is the final warning. We're yeah. Gonna final warning. This. Spoilers ahead. Beware. Alright. So, do you want me to describe it as always? Yeah, let's go... Because that's my job. It is? Well, it's part of your job. I know. <laughs> I don't pay you for nothing. I, I wish I got paid. <laughs> I also wish we got paid. <laughs> I spent so much money on this, and you spent so much money on this. So, Ooh. All right. Uh, so, as previously stated, this movie is a courtroom movie. I think one of the very kind of shocking things about this movie, and something you're not going to expect, is the entire movie happens after the death of Emily Rose. Going in, I think you seem surprised by that. Yeah, even though you basically told me. I, I said it. Yeah. But even then, there's this kind of, this idea that generally with a setup like this, even if it's a movie about the death of this person, that you'll get to see the person, like, alive or dying yeah. in the cold open, which, that's how the movie starts. It starts with a cold open. It's this guy going into Emily Rose's family's house. Yeah. Bob thought it was the exorcist, you know, the priest, uh, yeah. Father Moore. But in fact, it's a medical examiner. Mm-hmm. because at this point Emily Rose is dead uh, there's a police in the room with her body and he's coming in to like do the autopsy and do like the well just an initial stuff. examination to see like if her death can be ruled as natural mm-hmm. or not yeah but I think you I don't know you can weigh in here but you seem kind of surprised that like she was dead yeah dead. I mean it was the start I, I expected at least a little bit of seeing her alive because at that point <clears throat> all the the supernatural stuff you'd expect from an exorcist movie was over yeah everything basically everything that I wanted it or not that I wanted, that I expected to see and witness had already happened. Yeah. And I was like, all right, well, we're starting here. This is weird. Do you have any thoughts on that? Like, how are I you feeling? I think it's so cool. I think it's so cool because it allows us to speculate. Mm-hmm. And I like I like being able to speculate and think about what actually happened yeah. without being shown it. And I think that's probably the thing this film does the best. Oh, for sure. Is Absolutely. It, it is a film that allows you to speculate. Oh. I think I said earlier during the fact section that the writer and the director, who both, you know, wrote this, mm-hmm. kind of have different opinions on the subject. Yeah. And I think we can make a point that the director's maybe feelings towards the supernatural being real came through a little bit more. Yeah, but just, I don't... Just because they were more emotionally resonant? Sure, that's fair. With that being said, I think everything was represented equally. Oh, for sure. In a way that makes... For sure, for sure. Narratively-wise, everything feel neutral. It, yeah, it really... I mean, by the end of the movie, I'm sitting here, I'm like, okay... I can buy both sides. Yeah. Like, you could. You could easily buy both sides of the argument. And I think that is so interesting when it comes to a courtroom movie. Because then you're at the end of the movie and you're going, well, okay, well, what the fuck's the verdict? Yeah. And also, like, what would I do as the verdict? Yeah, exactly. It's you very know? interesting. And I think that's that's hard to accomplish in a courtroom movie. Oh, especially because yeah. most people really strive to do, like, one side or the other. Mm-hmm. But I, I really like that as a an outcome for a courtroom movie is I, to have yeah. you 
kind of in the middle. I think it's very, very interesting, especially because it's still, once again, it ties back to speculation of like, am I buying what, you know, what Father Moore is saying, or am I buying what, you know, the what, uh, prosecutors, prosecutors, yeah. Which is that, as I said, Father Moore is responsible for Emily Rose's death because yeah. of negligent homicide, because they're purporting that. You know, she's not possessed by a demon or yeah. anything. She's, they say, psychotic and epileptic. And epileptic. And so that's that's the prosecution's, you know, stance. And then the defense is that basically Father Moore is not responsible. Yeah, not culpable in any way because he did everything he could to try and help her. Yeah, that's basically their defense. Yeah. But the whole movie is basically the courtroom of this case. Yeah. It, it's two main characters because there really is only two in this are Aaron which are, she's the defense attorney. Yeah. And I think it's important to mention that she's an agnostic, mm-hmm. which means she doesn't really believe in religion, but she isn't against it. Yeah. I think she says she's questioning. She says, I think she says, I don't know if I'm agnostic when Father Moore asked her. Oh, yeah. And Father Moore's response is, then you are. Yeah, if you don't know, then you are. Which is what he says. Barely good assessment. Yeah. And then Father Moore, who's the priest. But yeah, basically the entire movie's the courtroom and like the actual presentations of the case and the interview mm-hmm. with like witnesses yeah or like doctors you know expert mm-hmm. opinion people or like evidence showing off evidence and stuff like yeah. that yeah the only other part of it is kind of the legwork for that so Aaron going and finding witnesses and kind of getting their initial talking mm-hmm. points with them or having someone like later on in the film we have a doctor who witnessed the exorcism come forward and be like hey yeah here's kind of my interactions with it but I'm going to come forth and you know Say something about the case. But yeah, I mean, it's pretty straightforward. There's a bunch of witnesses that come up Mm -hmm. uh, and they talk. I think what this film does that I think is very interesting is that every time a character tells a story about Emily Rose, that's when we get the flashbacks to what happens. It's good. I like it. It it allows the movie to show us every to show us the outcome of everything without showing us the middle, which I think is really cool. It it shows us the important bits, I think. Yeah, it's basically what I'm getting at is. It, we see the end and don't know what happens, and then when it slowly reveals what happens, we can kind of put it together slowly over yeah. time throughout the movie, rather than it just showing us what happens, And which I, is cool. I really like this because I think I said this, that the whole courtroom case feels like, like a narrative framework to present like basically these recordings of Emily Rose's possession. Yeah. So it almost seems like, well, that is the movie. It feels just like a framework story. Yeah, some way. I mean, it's the delivery device for the actual possession. And I think that goes to show just how well done and natural feeling those transitions are. Oh, it's so good. Like, this story feels like it's written to tell this other story. Yeah. Which, we haven't watched anthologies, but that's that's what framework stories in, like, anthology films are supposed to do. Yeah. I think this one just does it very, very well. Yeah. It felt very natural. Oh, for sure. What is important to note, though, about these, you know, flashbacks to Emily Rose and her possession that I think is very, very cool, and I don't know if you noticed it, but the flashbacks are distinctly kind of like a recreation of the story that the person who's, like, describing them is telling. Yeah. So, you know, most of the film, we're hearing the stories of the people who are on the defensive side. So, Father Moore, Emily's special friend. Yeah. Her father. But occasionally, we hear some... I think it happens really only once where her like psychiatrist at the university she's attending comes forward and talks about like what she saw. And depending on like who's telling the story, what we see looks different. It's really interesting. When the defense is talking, we kind of see Emily Rose and all that's happening to her portrayed stylistically to be more demonic. The yeah. most overtly thing is we see like faces shift and get mm-hmm. like weird or things in the clouds. 
Uh, but when, like, the doctors, you know, the prosecutors tell the story, these things are not there. No, they're not at all. I really like that, and I, I'm just wondering what your thoughts were there. I think it's cool. I, I think, and this is something that they kind of do whenever, because other, we're in the spoiler section, so it's fine. Other people thought the movie experienced supernatural things on top of what yeah. Emily herself experienced. Although I will say, all the supernatural things that happen in the present are not overtly supernatural. No. Like, they're just, like, a shadow or a sound, mm-hmm. or the character smells something, but obviously that's hard to portray. Yeah. So the fact that these characters are seeing these other supernatural things that are akin to what Emily saw. But way less severe. Way less severe. And the fact that, oh, what's what I'm looking for? When we see Emily, when they talk about what happened to Emily on the defendant, or on the prosecutor side, she's always portrayed of as being... Psychotic? <laughs> Uh, as like, well, I'm trying to think of how to explain it. Basically, a lot of the time, whenever she's ha- being having demon attacks, I guess is what I would call it. I don't know what how you describe it. When she's being possessed, she'll yeah. contort and look like crazy on the ground and stuff. People have seen this. Super crazy. Super crazy. It like it's a she must be a contortionist, dude. She did a great job. I think some of that. There's one scene where she leans back and her oh. spine goes way too far. Yeah, that one I think is not real. Okay, interesting. Everything else where she's like laying on the ground in weird positions, mm-hmm. though, I. Pre- pretty sure it is real. Yeah. But when it's when they show us the same scenes from the prosecutor's side, it they just it looks like she's having a seizure. Yeah, it's it's toned down in a way that seems more realistic. Yes. Like less unnatural, I guess. Yeah. Which I think is cool because it basically the movie does an awesome job of showing you the perspective of the person who is experiencing the event and yeah. portraying what they would think they're seeing. I mean, it shows the fact that eyewitnesses have biases because yes. everyone experiences the which world differently. Which is so cool. Which is why when other people, this brings back to other people experience supernatural things like the father and also Aaron, when that happens, you get really cool POV, not POV, but like uh, front-facing camera shots of them. It just feels very personal. Yeah, and it's super cool because it's a courtroom movie. Yeah. And these people are invested into this and getting, basically, the closer we can get to their thoughts and their psyche, the more of the story can be revealed to us from their point of view. Yeah, because it it doesn't show us their thoughts. It just kind of shows us how they interpreted it. Yes, which is super cool. I think you make a good point. What I found super cool about this whole thing, the setup Mm -hmm. of, like, two versions of events, is the fact that it keeps that kind of that neutrality aspect going it does it yeah because by having these two versions what the film is telling us as an audience is that neither of these are what happened these are just what both sides thinks what happened the events have already happened we didn't get to see those we are seeing each side telling us the story and so neither of these are entirely true it's just a question of which one could be more right god damn which i think perfectly kind of captures what a court is supposed to do. Yeah. I thought that was, God that damn was super you. cool. God damn you. That's a lot. That's a lot <laughs> to think about right now when I'm thinking about this, the movie in its entirety because that's a very good point. And I, I agree with you almost completely, I think. Because it this movie, I think, is the perfect capture of a 50-50 split where no one's right. Yeah, it's I chose this awesome. movie because I thought there's a couple movies out there that deal with exorcism and kind of play with that idea of is it or isn't it true, you know? Yeah. But I thought this one does it super well. It does. It does it really, really, really because well, and I enjoy it. at the end of the film, it doesn't come to a conclusion. No. Which I think this is where we're going to kind of get into the ending. Yeah. Um, for that, the setup for this is that Father Moore was not supposed to take the stand at all. No. He wasn't supposed to, like, 
testify for himself. The archdiocese who's paying for his lawyer didn't want him to go up there because they thought it'd be embarrassing. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, before taking the case, Aaron said she wasn't going to do it. Yeah, because her boss was like, you cannot let him testify. Well, yeah, and Aaron's like, are you crazy? He'll look like a loon. And she eventually changes her mind. Yeah. I think both because she spends time with him and realizes that he's very sincere and he will show like a sincerity that will earn him sympathy. Yeah. But also because this doctor, this psychiatrist comes forward to her that she didn't know about previously because Father Moore, he made like a, a promise of confidentiality as a priest that he wouldn't disclose that this guy was there yeah. because he asked. Uh, but this, pre- this psychiatrist comes forward and says to Aaron, like, hey, I'm willing to testify in this case. I'm a psychiatrist. I was there during the exorcism. I don't think it's epilepsy or psychosis. Uh, All of her symptoms, like, scientifically did not line up with that diagnosis. I'm willing to say this. And, of course, Aaron hears this, and she's like, that's that's the ringer. If he says that, uh, they'll get Father Moore off pretty much identifiably because yeah. the case of the prosecution will fall apart I because mean, yeah. it's, it's completely based on this idea that Emily had a medical condition that wasn't being treated because Father Moore basically recommended she be taken off of her medication Gambitrol yeah. because as we later learned Father Moore and her came to the conclusion her being Emily Rose that the Gambitrol wasn't helping because she was still having like the worst of her symptoms yeah. after having been on it for months Yeah, and which isn't a good sign by the way for your medication. Well yeah and even the, uh, the doctor that's like yeah she should have kept taking game control says if you like the way it works is it builds up over time it's collective so sh- her symptoms should have been lessening Listening. but they were getting worse but i mean he even says it father moore goes even at the peak of her symptoms during the exorcism she was still taking it and it did yeah. nothing to help her but eventually they decided hey we don't think this is good for me yeah so that she got off of it and that's that's the prosecution's thing is that he killed her because she got off of it but anyways getting back to the point the psychiatrist that witnessed it says he's going to come testify so aaron allows father Moore to go on the stand yep at this point the psychiatrist has given her a tape yeah that has like a recording of the exorcism and you know father Moore goes on the stand he gives his like initial kind of statement about how he got involved with the case and then he mm-hmm. like walks through this tape which super cool part of the movie because we get to see the exorcism wild bro from like his and the family of roses perspective yeah and it is wild it's awesome it's so goddamn cool uh, I think it is important to note that the prosecution does cast doubt Oh yeah, on the stuff heard on the tape. Like, oh, we yeah. hear tongues, mm-hmm. but theoretically, Emily could have known those languages. Yeah, based on, like, the schooling that she had and stuff. I would... S- I think that's a stretch. I mean, it re- I, with the way she was saying, like, it was full-on sentences. Because she was sentences. saying it well and full-on sentences. Yeah. And we know for a fact that she might have taken some of those languages. Yeah. But not all. And there's no way she would be that fluent in all of them. Yeah, especially after years. But I guess he has a point. He does have a point. And I think it's interesting that they still cast doubt on something that's pretty, mm-hmm. that appears clear cut. Yeah. But basically, after Father Moore walks through this tape, the psychiatrist was supposed to come on and back him up mm-hmm. as an expert witness. But he doesn't show up to court. That was surprising, honestly. Which I is didn't surprising. He seemed very committed to it when he first He was, to because like, he was an old friend of Father Moore from way back in the day. Yeah. And Aaron isn't expecting this. Like, no. Her assistant comes up to her during the trial and whispers in her ear. And she looks confused <laughs> yeah because the the assistant's like i couldn't find him yeah. not that he's not coming just couldn't find him and she's like check every hospital look everywhere you can we have to find this man she gets so lucky i will say the judge in this film is so lenient with her not the judge isn't li- lenient say, she's just understanding i would yeah. say she's nice she's professional yeah but she's not jaded no and i think and i think we see that with ethan 
the prosecutor, he constantly is so angry because oh. he's like, this is absurd. She's trying to fucking prove in a court of law yeah. this woman was possessed. This is nuts. And every single time the judge goes, stop. Yeah. You're I, being ridiculous. We're going to get into that when I get to the sustained stuff. Yeah. But the prosecution, uh, Ethan, is very unpleasant. Oh, he he's unpleasant, but I do like him. <laughs> yeah. But Aaron's able to basically have the court adjourned for the day. Yeah. And they're going to come back tomorrow in the morning. Hopefully she can find her, her witness in that time. And she she's leaving the courthouse, and she sees him. He's, like, standing outside. Like, he came there and just couldn't go in. Yeah, got cold feet or something and couldn't come in to, process, and to witness. He starts talking to her, and he's like, tell Father Moore I'm sorry. I've, mm-hmm. I've seen things. Like, I can't. <laughs> Aaron's very confused. And then we get to see the psychiatrist's face. It's just complete horror as he's looking behind Aaron. Yeah. And we're, we're looking behind her because I'm like, what the her. fuck is back there? There's and nothing there's there. nothing there. He's staring at a dumpster. And then he starts walking backwards. And they're in like a parking lot. Yeah. And a car crashes Scared into it. Scared the shit out of me. He dies. It kills him. Absolutely fucking insane. It's <laughs> jarring <laughs> for sure. If you take the supernatural position of yeah. this film, it's a very impactful moment. Oh, yeah. Because, like, this man was basically convinced that he was going to come, you know, give his opinion of the case. Yeah. And help, quote unquote, the side of good win. Mm-hmm. And the demons, like, scared him away and then killed him. Yeah. I mean, he literally says, like, when he first meets Aaron, like, I believe the father. Demons are real. They yeah. are out there. Like, But, like, when he meets up right before he dies, he says, tell Father Moore he's brave, but I can't do this. Yeah. I think that's really good because uh, there's kind of this background story of Father Moore and Aaron where Father Moore is essentially saying that, hey, these forces of darkness are going to try and stop you from doing good. Yeah. Which is something we see because throughout the trial, Aaron has vaguely supernatural things happen to her. Yeah. But after the death of the psychiatrist, they're kind of screwed. Oh, they're mega screwed. Because their defense was rested on this guy, you know. Yeah. Corroborating everything that Moore said happened with the exorcism. Because right now he just seems kind of crazy. A little bit. Like, honestly. Yeah. Because he's he's making these claims about demonic possession, and there's really no evidence to help him. And the evidence he does have... The like the prosecutor just like throws it away basically like writes it off. He writes it off in a way that well not entirely. It's logical enough and is plausible enough that there is reasonable doubt. Yeah, on the evidence that's been pre- that has been presented. So you know, Aaron starts to get drunk that night. Oh yeah, because she's upset because she just watched someone die. Yeah, that's you know, and also she's losing this case. And at this point, she feels very I think sympathetic for more. She oh. likes him. She thinks he's a very I think morally righteous individual. Yeah, I think she's right. Honestly. And at this point in time, like, the guy she works for who owns her law firm yeah, basically comes up for him, and he's like, are you fucking stupid? I told you not to put him up on the stand. He looks like a maniac. Yeah, and he's uh, like, the, the diocese are breathing down my neck trying to get me to fucking stop this shit. Like, what do you want me to do? And he he tells her straight up, if you put him back on the stand, Father Moore, you're fired. Yep. I'm going to fire you. Um, and, of course, the next scene when they go back to the court the next morning, she puts him back on the stand. Because when she goes to see him right before court that morning, Father Moore gives her a letter. Yep. Which is this letter that Emily Rose wrote right after her exorcism, which at this point we've learned failed. Yes. uh, Because they had to stop it halfway through because the horses in the barn where she ran to escaped. Yeah. And kicked Emily's dad. In the chest. Which is. I think it killed. It didn't kill him. It stopped his heart, right? I think they said they revived him. I I think they did say they. No, I don't know if they revived. They said he woke up a couple minutes later. Yeah. Either way, getting kicked by a horse is dangerous. Super dangerous. Super scary. So they had to stop it, and it failed. Obviously, their point is it 
failed both because they had to stop, but also because yeah. she was on uh, Gambitrol. Yep, and it's stopping apparently like, what was the word they used? There's a specific word they used that was very interesting. It was like the psycho oh, something. Spiritual. Psycho spiritual shock, I think yeah. is what they call it. Which I'm going to talk about in a little bit too. I mean, they bring that up in The Exorcist too. Yeah. Um, Similar concept, I assume. But she gets this letter and Emily Rose wrote it right after The Exorcism and gave it to Father Mort, though, like right before she died. Oh, yeah. So he didn't get it for a, a while. Mm-hmm. And he gives it to Aaron, and he's like, read it, and then tell me tomorrow what you decide you'll do, and we'll do it. Because his whole point this whole time is that he wants to tell Emily Rose's story. Yep. He was given the offer of a plea bargain at the beginning, and he turned it down. Yeah. uh, Because he says very early that he doesn't care if he goes to prison, which for for the crime of negligent homicide— It's 10 years? 10 years maximum. And he's like, I don't care. I don't care if I look crazy. I just want to be able to say what happened to her and how it happened. Mm-hmm. And I think for him, this letter is the most important because it's her. Opinion. Yeah, I think. And that's why he wants to go on the stand again. He's, he wants to be able to read it. Yeah. And I think the use of it'll really appeal to the jury and also everyone else's emotion to be like, she wrote me this before she died. Yeah. This is basically, in my opinion, her final will and testament. This is it like. basically is. Yeah. This is, you know, what she wanted everyone to know before she passed, and the fact that he is delivering that is a sign of good faith. Yeah, because he, he goes on the stand, and he gets to read it. Mm-hmm. Uh, because basically Aaron asks, like, do you think she was actually possessed? You know, mm-hmm. I think her exact wording is, do you think God would allow her to suffer? Yeah, I think he says, even though she was so devout, do you yeah. think God would allow her to suffer like this? And the prosecution objects to this because, yeah, of like, course. he's like, you can't allow, like, it's a Father Moore statement about God to come into a Yeah, it's a straight up an opinion. Like, there's no... And, you know, the opinion here is that it's allowed to happen. The judge yeah. allows it because it's important to know Father Moore's and, by extension, Emily Rose's thought process yeah. around their actions. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Father Moore reads the letter. And I think this is probably one of the most interesting scenes in the movie because while it's still being told by Father Moore, like a lot of the audio is kind of a little bit of voiceover, mm-hmm. this is the only kind of flashback to Emily Rose's possession that is actually from Emily's perspective. Yeah, all the rest of it is from Father Moore or her dad's or her family's. Yeah, it's either from the defense or the prosecution and their mm-hmm. witnesses. This is the only one that is from her, at least remotely. Yeah. Uh, but basically, Emily's talking about how right after the presentation, she woke up in the middle of the night, or I think it's probably the early morning. It's the early morning because there's fog out. And she walked out into the field, and I, I, I'm not sure if you got this. She had an out-of-body experience. Yeah. So basically, she fell on the ground, and then her soul, I, I guess, soul, so. like an embodiment of her, yeah, was looking down on her mm-hmm. messed up self. And I think it's important that, that her, we'll call it a soul, just for ease. Yeah. Her it's, soul looked normal. It's clean. There's no scars. There's no fucked up parts. And the soul starts talking to a figure that called her out into the field. Which yeah. we don't get to see. I think that's very important. No, yeah, I was very interested because at first I thought that the woman standing there was not Emily. It was whoever was talking, but it wasn't. It was her. I think that's just important because it keeps the ambiguity there. It does, yeah. But also because it allows us to focus on Emily's face and not on the idea of the spiritual moment she's having, mm-hmm. which I think embodies anything that could be told a lot better Yeah, that, yeah, makes anything sense. else. Also, interesting note, this is where the voiceover comes in. The, the figure she's seeing is the Virgin Mary. Mm-hmm. And importantly, when Emily Rose is having like the dialogue with the Virgin Mary, we get to hear Emily Rose like talking. Yeah, but we don't get to hear the Virgin Mary. We get to hear Father Moore saying saying what, what Emily said. Yeah, the Virgin Mary was must have said. But basically, Emily Rose is presented with this choice that hey, these demons are not going to disappear. Yeah, they're going to stay where they are. But you can come with me and leave your body, mm-hmm. which I don't think means death. 
I think that means like you as a soul can leave yeah. and you're going to be like freed of all this pain and everything. Or you can stay in your body and suffer. Until you die. Until you die horrifically. Yeah. But essentially, you'll die a martyr. Yeah. That's the idea here. Is that you'll die a martyr because your sacrifice will prove the that demons are real and that, that God isn't dead, essentially. Yeah. And Emily makes the decision to go back into her body. Nuts. Which is nuts because i think it makes sense for her character it does she's essentially like she's very devout we know this oh extremely but essentially she's presented with this choice of i will suffer but by suffering i will help my faith yeah i will help others and so she goes back she stands up from the ground where her body was laying and she looks down at her hands and she has stigmata Mm -hmm. which if you don't know that's like uh wounds on usually the palms and of your hand or the tops of your feet and it's supposed to be reminiscent of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Yep. To resemble like the, the nails, nails through going his hands. through your hands. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of like a common imagery uh, yeah. when it comes to people who have been, I think uh, Father Mo- Father Moore's words are touched by God. Mm-hmm. But I, I usually think of it as something associated with martyrs. Yeah. Or um, uh, straight up just Jesus symbolism. Like yeah. dying for your sins. But when it's associated with like people that aren't Jesus. Yeah. It's supposed to be like something that marks a martyr, someone who's been like touched by God and is mm-hmm. doing like God's work of suffering. I think the important thing to note about them is they're supposed to appear kind of not through the volition of the person who has them. Like, you oh, can't give them to yourself. Yeah, okay. They has to yeah. be, like, acts of God's, so, you know, accidents, or yeah. just appear naturally, like, randomly. And even with the stigmata, the fucking prosecution's like, yeah, she just grabbed a barbed wire fence. Which, valid. Valid, I guess. Because we get to see a clip of her yeah, I mean, it doing shows that, us. like, a proposed version. Yeah. I'm not sure how she gets them on her feet, though. Yeah, they don't explain that one. Yeah, which I think is... Interesting. What, she step on it with the tops of her feet? I guess she slammed the tops of her feet into it. Yeah. I mean, I can get grabbing it in like a trance. Exactly. That makes sense. I just thought that was interesting. But uh, Father Morse shares this thing. Then there's some closing remarks. Yeah. The prosecution is basically like just straight up like Father Moore murdered her. Yep. He's guilty. She had she was a sick, disturbed woman. And he did not help her. And he did not help her. He, in fact, did the opposite of helping her. Mm-hmm. And then Aaron... The defense comes up and she's like, you know, the prosecution is here and they're going to tell you that she, these are facts, that she had epilepsy, she was psychotic. These are not facts, though. These are alleged truth. Mm -hmm. And I think that's basically summarizes the whole movie. Yeah. Is her defense is that, like her closing statements are that there is doubt here. There is doubt that Emily Rose had psychosis and epilepsy. Oh, yeah. There's doubt that, you know, she was actually possessed because she doesn't know. I mean, er in her closing remarks, Aaron still isn't convinced that, like, Demons yeah. or whatever are real, even though she's had some weird experiences. But she's like, there's doubt. And in a court of law, we're trying to prove that, you know, Father Moore is responsible. But there's doubt here that shows that he did the best he could. Oh, yeah. I think that's, irregardless of what the end results were, I think I I think I agree with her. Yeah. There's enough doubt there that I don't necessarily think he was culpable. But I think she definitely proved that he tried his best. Yeah, and I think that's fair. And also, like... I think we see it characterized throughout the movie. Father Moore is a good person and is yeah. genuinely trying. And you can tell that you can tell the fact that he could not help Emily is genuinely hurting oh, him. Oh, he starts like tearing up a bunch of times. Yeah. And the fact that he got and the fact that he's the only thing he can do is tell her story. He's like, That's all yeah. I want to do. I don't give a fuck if I go to jail. I don't care what happens. I'm doing this for her because I could not save her. Yeah. I just I guess my point is, like, irregardless of, like, if she was possessed or not, I think Aaron makes a very good point that while she was diagnosed with epilepsy and psychosis, they were not very thorough 
diagnoses. No, and she even rips those apart the first time she hears yeah, them. Yeah, and um, I don't know. I I, I thought it was a good defense. Oh, I, that, me too. That's my point. It's like it's not very well proven that you know she has these illnesses, and yeah. at the very least, Father Mort tried to the best of his power to help her. Mm-hmm, for sure. Um, so I'd say I'd, I'd lead more to the defense. Not necessarily to the idea of possession, but like at least to innocence, I guess. Yeah. That'd be me. Um, but we cut to the end results of the trial. He is convicted. Yeah, they find him guilty. They find him guilty. Uh, they say, hey, you are culpable of negligent homicide. And, you know, they initially go to the, say, hey, his sentencing will happen in April. But before yep. the trial, Father Moore said, hey, I want to be sentenced immediately. Yeah, at his request, that is what he wanted. And so they go to do it, and right before they, like, the judge decides, the jury, who, the member who presented, like, the results, say, Mm -hmm. hey, we have a suggestion. Yeah, we have a recommendation. And I think it's very interesting that the prosecution gets really mad at this. He gets sucking, he gets fucking pissed. I think because he knows he's not going to like it. Yeah. I mean, probably not. Because, I mean, like, the usually if a jury's making a recommendation, it's for a lesser sentence. Yeah, because prosecution was pushing for maximum sentence, which we'll get into later. But I think he's very angry because he wanted to wait until April because then it would be a very clinical thing of giving, like, a sentence. Mm -hmm. But anyways, they give their suggestion, which is time served. Because this whole time, uh, Father Moore's still been in prison. He never posted bail. Nope, he's just been chilling in jail for months. Months, I think like a year or so. Yeah. Because basically the diocese told him that if you don't take the plea bargain, we're not going to pay for your bail. Yep. And the judge goes with this. Yeah. I thought that was, it's a sentencing that A, I think follows the narrative of it could be either or. Yes. Um, but I think it's, to me, it shows that like in the the, the jurors room, mm-hmm. that the jury came together, were pretty split. And while they leaned towards he was culpable, yeah. even the people who thought he was culpable thought he shouldn't serve a sentence, essentially. Yeah, I think they found, I think... And this is just my thought. I think that they found him guilty of negligible homicide, but I do not think they found him, found his actions to be reprehensible. Yeah, I think they they essentially kind of trying to feel like how the jury was. I think they came to the conclusion that he potentially did actions that could have resulted in her death. Yeah. I think the big one is having her get off Gambitrol, mm-hmm. even though that is something they both discussed together. Oh, yeah. She decided she also didn't want to be on it anymore. Yeah, which I'm going to be honest here. If a person decides she doesn't want to be on something, there's no way to make them. Yeah. Really. But I think the jury was basically like, well, some of his actions may have helped result in her death. And so we could say negligent homicide. His intention was positive. Yeah. I don't think he ever had any ill intentions. And his actions, while potentially could lead to her death, were intended to help her. Yeah. I think the the closest thing I could liken this to is, like, as a doctor, if mm-hmm. your patient dies, you a lot of the times have to go before a board to basically determine, did you kill this person? Yeah. Like, did you fuck up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And to me, this, like, result seems like the jury's going, you did the best you could. You didn't overtly fuck up. Yeah. But you you were seeing this person, and they did die under your care. That's completely fair. That's kind of what I felt this ending meant. Yeah. I don't know if you have any other kind of thoughts on that. Not what I expected. Kind no. of a blast ending. Like It I, is. I, I, I was Because you expect the defense to win. No, really? not even. I didn't. Can I be real? I yeah. was like, I don't know who the fuck's about to win this trial. Oh, really? I went, I don't fucking know. I, I mean, I expected the defense to win just because, like, main characters, right? Sure, but I knew that wasn't, like, I knew, listen, I was fully aware going into this that horror movies are not always happy endings. So I was yeah. like, listen, this guy might go to fucking prison, okay? Fair. Like, that might be the end of the movie. I was down. I was like, all right, he's going to prison. I'm, I'm cool. But he didn't, which was yeah. cool. It was, the thing is, when he got guilty, I went, okay, then he's going to go to prison. But then yeah. you're like, time served, and I was like, oh. It's a perfectly neutral it is because they're, he's still guilty of the crime. He's just not being punished. Well, no, he was punished. Well, T- time served means yeah. he served. 
which I think is very interesting because I think he basically stayed in prison as long as he would have if he had taken the plea bargain. Probably. Not just probably, because they say if he'd taken it, he would have done like 12 months community service. Or not 12 months community service, 12 months in prison. Oh, and then they would have did probation after that, I think? And then probation. Yeah, that, Yeah, I guess. But he probably... also would have been sentenced as guilty because it's a plea bargain. Yeah. But after the trial, it's basically the same results. Yeah. He was sentenced as guilty. And I think it's implied that he was there a year. I think they mention it. I, I think it's about. It was basically the same. I mean, because you basically see the seasons pass. Yeah. Because you get some winter stuff and then you get some spring stuff. I just I think that's very interesting that basically even though he didn't take the plea bargain, he got the same sentencing. It's just he got to say Emily Rose's story, which is all he wanted. Yep. He got um, his goal in the end. But then after that, it's basically the only thing that really happens is they go to her grave, and yep. it's kind of this wrap up of. What are Father Moore and uh, Aaron going to do as characters? Father Moore basically goes into seclusion. Yep. He's done practicing as like a, a parish mm-hmm. because I think he says he's been touched by darkness. Yeah. And then Aaron, she doesn't decide to become partner at her firm. Yeah, because her boss comes up to her after the trial and is like, holy shit, you did it. Like, what a good job. Everyone's so happy. Like, we'll give you partner now. And she's like, no, no, I'm good. And that's like the only thing she's wanted like since the start of the movie. Yeah. My guess is she goes on either to a different form or more likely to start her own firm. Yeah. That's kind of the feeling I get. Because it, it just felt like she was very unhappy with the controlling nature. Because mm-hmm. she wanted to, she makes the point earlier on that she wants to represent her client to the best of her ability to like do what's right for them. Yeah. And she's basically being told not to. Oh, yeah, the whole I time. I think that's why she doesn't take the you know senior partner or whatever. Yeah, and I think part of that, or part of the reason she doesn't accept being a partner at the firm is I feel like at least personally that her career at that firm is kind of I don't know I don't want to say tainted but not ruined but it just it doesn't feel I feel like she feels like she can't do the maximum amount of what of good that she wishes yeah. to do with her job if she stays at this firm that's that's why I said I think she might go on to make her own yeah but. and I think that's kind of implied we haven't even talked about it what is it John Van Hopper John I think so basically it's an the reason they call Aaron in to do this case is because she helped another priest off on a different case. Not another priest. She helped a... Is he uh, a priest? I thought he was part of the church. That's why they should call her in. She no, him. no. She helped a, a guy accused of homicide. Oh, was it just another homicide? Yeah. Okay. Basically, she helped some dude get off of a homicide charge. Turns out, definitely a murderer still, and he kills two more people. Like, she sees a it on year the or two later. Yeah. And you can see that she feels bad about it after. Yeah. She feels responsible so I think part of her character development is going from, I'm doing this because I was asked to, because that's the start of the movie. Basically, an unfeeling entity. Yeah. To someone who's, like, innately involved. Yes. But I think it's also tainted because her boss decides to fire her because she's not listening. Yeah. And then the second her decisions and her standing up for herself works out. He's like, oh, great. They're two and switches. Which... I think that's kind of also tainting it. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, the movie then closes with a couple, like, credit things, mm-hmm. which I think is very interesting. Yeah, I didn't expect that. I expected the credits to roll. It's basically, like, a black screen and then some text. Mm-hmm. So the text is basically saying what happens to the characters afterwards. Yeah. And I think that's – it's a very serious way of, I think, doing an epilogue, and I liked it. My only issue, though, is that I think it starts with this is based on a true story. Yeah. Which – It doesn't say I'm, based. It says inspired. Yeah, it does it say inspired? Yeah. Okay, I think it's because of these ending things. Oh, really? Because, obviously, it's giving an epilogue for the character. Mm-hmm. That epilogue for the characters is not Epil- yeah. the epilogue of what happened to the people to the people in real life. That makes sense. Um, so I think there's some confusion there, which I didn't like. 
I think if they just got rid of that inspired by true events, like... And just gave the epilogue at the end for the characters? Well, because they give that inspired by true events thing, I think, right at the end, too, right? Or was that at the beginning? That's at the end. They give it before they give the epilogue stuff. Yeah, I think if they had just taken that off, it would have been better. Really? Yes, because otherwise the epilogue seems like it's implying this is what happened in real life, mm. which seems disingenuous. That's fair. I hadn't thought I think about if that they way. just left out that one sentence, yeah. it would have just felt like, hey, this is a serious epilogue of what happened to these characters. Which I liked because it feels like a courtroom kind of notes. Yeah. You know? As for what happens, Father Moore stays in seclusion. Yeah. And it gives like a quote from him when someone asked him about the trial. Uh, it says that Emily essentially became a martyr. Mm-hmm. Uh, Father Moore says during the trial that he thinks she'll become a saint because her her death is essentially going to allow for people to start believing in the supernatural. Yeah. Um, and there's kind of this implication that that is happening because they say millions of people go and visit her grave. Mm-hmm. And then for Aaron, it says that she took basically her notes for the case and published a book about it. And that's that's what this movie is based on. Yeah. But yeah, that's the whole movie. It's the whole thing. So I guess we're going to get into some discussion points. Sure. And I do have, like, I guess the fact I left off, which is oh yeah, the whole realism aspect of this, right? So the character of Emily Rose is loosely inspired by the story of a woman, Annalise, I think it's pronounced Annalise Michael. Okay. So she was a young German woman who ended up dying of malnutrition following a total of 67 Catholic exorcism rites. Holy fuck. Uh, performed during the year of her death, so over one year, in 1976. That's crazy. Yeah. After which her parents and priests were convicted of negligent homicide. Okay. And, you know, this case is pretty famous. It's been covered in a number of media over the years. Other than the uh, the exorcism of Emily Rose, I could find that the film's Requiem and Annalise, the exorcism tapes, were also inspired by it. Oh, but all right. I mean, yeah, it's based on a story of a woman who basically went through an exorcism and died in a very similar manner to how yeah. Emily Rose died. I think very specifically, it might have been the defense for that trial went on and published a book about it. Oh, okay. And so I think that's where that line comes from. Uh, okay, makes sense. I'm going to ask you a question here. Okay. You're allowed to say no or not. Do you want me to pull up a picture of this woman? Because mm, the one in the movie is pretty bad, yeah. but I feel like it's not going to be nearly as bad as this one. I'll look at so, it. So here's here's what she looks normally. This is the one you can find. Oh, okay. Pretty normal looking woman. I'm just on Google. Um, oh my God, dude. Holy shit. Can I say, they did a good job of replicating that in the movie. Yeah, I'm just playing this here. I wouldn't say go look, look that up. Do not. If you, yeah, it's, don't. It's, it's disturbing. Not pleasant. I don't like looking at stuff like that. I don't either. But I think it's kind of important because this is based on a true story. Uh, because, you know, that's the thing with exorcisms. It's 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 something, and it can't. it doesn't always end up well. No. I mean, this is based on a story of a real woman who... Went through 67 fucking A very traumatic experience, and it it killed her. I mean, you know. I think that kind of leads me into (sighs) the main point I wanted to make for this kind of after-movie discussion here. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on exorcism, Bob? Like, are you... Do you believe in them? Do you... Okay. Do you believe in demons? I think we've... Yes. Yes? Uh Uh-huh. Do you believe in ghosts? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to ask your religious affiliations, but... None. What are your thoughts on exorcism? (laughs) Um, okay. Here's Here's my thing. I... I, I personally, I don't know how I identify religiously because I, as a kid, I went to church. That was my thing because, you know, we live in the state of Kentucky. Do you, not, you mind me asking what type of church? Uh, Baptist. Okay. Uh, well, actually, technically. Southern I, Baptist, right? Yeah, Southern Baptist or I went to a union church as well, but that just means that they would have like 
basically once once a week it was a different person would come in and do a service. So one week it was a Catholic service, one week it was a Methodist service. Oh, that's cool. One week, they, yeah. So I did both of those. Wednesdays was Southern Baptist, Sundays was Union. So as a kid, I was very religious because my parents were religious. They made me go to church. Now at this point in my life, I've kind of stepped not, away from that. Stepped away from that a little bit. It's not that I don't believe. I believe there is something out there. But who's right? I don't fucking know. Ah, agnostic. Basically, that's yes. what that is. That does not mean I don't believe in demons. Because I do. Because, like... But do you believe in... Catholic demons? Yeah, I was no. going to say, is, do you believe in, like, demons, which are, like, the Catholic version, or do you just believe in, like... I believe in bad spirits. Bad spirits, yeah. Bad spirits. That that would be my thought, is bad spirits. Now, I do believe there's a way to cast bad spirits from someone's body if they're possessed. So, mm-hmm. I guess, technically, I believe there is some form of exorcism out there. Yeah. Just maybe not the classic Catholic way yeah. of doing it. I think that's always very interesting about exorcisms, is they're very innately Catholic. Catholic which is very interesting. So, all... All exorcism movies and a lot of demon stuff is just innately like, hey, you have to believe in Christianity. Yeah, which sucks <laughs> for I me mean, personally. It, it's just very, I guess, the same. There's a couple, mm-hmm. there's a very good exorcism movie and it didn't go on this list. Spoiler, that's about a Jewish exorcism. Oh, that's awesome. I, I just think that's kind of interesting. It's, it's just cool. a very different experience to it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I guess it, you, you kind of think exorcisms are real? Yeah, I mean, I think, I I guess, go ahead. I think that there are bad, there's bad spirits in the world. World, and if one decided that it wanted to, to take over a person, it totally could. Yeah. Like that's it's possible. And you think a person could like then throw those spirits out? Yeah. Okay. I think I think that's completely plausible. Okay. Like what's the, what am I trying to say? I don't have an explanation for <laughs> for anything. Yeah. So I'm just going off my gut here. Okay. That's just how I feel. No, that's, that's completely fair. You know what I mean? Yeah. As long as that's what you feel. My opinion, I guess, is maybe similar. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm I'm basically agnostic, right? I don't really have strong feelings one way or another. On spirituality stuff. Sure. Because at the end of the day, I I like to take the idea of I can't prove things one way or another, so I'm not going to form strong opinions. Yeah. So if you ever ask me what my opinions on ghosts are, I'm kind of like, I don't know. (laughs) They could be real. They could not be. I don't care. (laughs) Oh, well. Because I can't know. That's fair. And if if other people believe that's their own prerogative, they can do what they want. I'm not going to tell them they're crazy or whatever. I mean, that's completely fair. That's kind of the, the stance I like to take. Uh, with exorcisms, though, the way I like to view them is very similar to the way one of the expert witnesses in this movie does. Mm-hmm. And she's a psycho- she's a psychologist and an anthropologist. Oh, yes. Very cool character. And I like this lady. She presents... I think an opinion that I like with exorcisms and that's the idea that exorcisms as a ritual kind of can serve as like a, what do they say? A psycho spiritual shock. Mm -hmm. That's kind of how I view them. I mean, that's how they talk about it in the exorcist as well. Like I think, like I said, I think people are allowed to believe what they want. Sure. And whatever. And with exorcism, I think that if you are very spiritual mm-hmm. and you have this belief that like, Hey, you're being haunted or you're possessed by something, irregardless of whether or not, an exorcism can work like let's say Mm -hmm. demons or whatever are real or they're not your belief in this exorcism and the fact that it's performed on you that's real that is real yeah and that can allow you to get better yeah i mean it's basically not i don't want to say the placebo effect but it kind of is i think that 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 term which i keep forgetting but the psycho spiritual shock shock. yeah psycho spiritual thought i think was a a good way to summarize that yeah basically you're buying into their belief you buy into the belief so hard that it helps you that it helps you which is basically what the placebo that's my thought on exorcisms is that's fair honestly i don't I agree. dislike them because they can be used as a tool to help someone. Yeah. However, I think it's important to note that any tool can be misused. Absolutely. So, totally agree. Um, in the case that they really hurt you or kill someone, they're, yeah. they're, that's not okay. In this in this movie, in this trial proposed 
about Emily Rose. It's very debatable. For sure. In the real life case, it isn't. It's like Absolutely not. 67 times. That, it, 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 it would, yeah. yeah. No. I would say after about two or three, I'd give up. Just saying. Well, the fact that it's so many times is yeah, insane. I mean, it's nuts. That, yeah. So I thought that was an interesting time to talk about that because we still have, I, we didn't talk about it on The Exorcist. Mm-mm. Because I think that movie is more of a an exploration of a crisis of faith. Sure. Where this one's more of an exploration of, do you believe in exorcism? Sure. Yeah. I think that's an interesting topic. Um, For sure. I think before we close up, the only other thing I wanted to talk about was the thing you reminded me about, which is the whole... Sustained? Sustained stuff. Yeah. So basically, the prosecution in this trial... Uh, do you remember his full name? Ethan... Thomas? Yes. Yeah. I knew his first name. He knew his last name. Nice. <laughs> Glad. So, Ethan Thomas is Methodist, and he was chosen... Oh, that's so interesting. Oh, I forgot about this. ...to be the prosecution because the state essentially wanted someone who was religious, so yeah. it seemed like he has, I guess, reliability. Mm-hmm. Like, he wasn't super biased. Yeah. But they also wanted someone who was, like, a man of the law still and would be willing to oh. persecute. You know why I thought that she had prosecuted someone, uh, or... Sorry, why I thought uh, John Van Hooper or whatever was a priest. Because they talk about Ethan. The last case he did, he tore apart a priest and got him put in prison. Yeah. That's what I was thinking of. Um, that's why they want him on this case. That makes sense. But Thomas is like, we're just going to call him Ethan because we've been calling him. I, that's, that I've been calling time. him his first name. Ethan's a very interesting character. Yeah. Because I can I can totally get behind someone who is both a person of faith, who like has strong religious beliefs, Yeah, but can also put those aside and do something that's more factual based. Mm-hmm. Um, there's scientists like that who are very uh, religious, but can also like say step aside and then do a very scientific thing. Yeah, um, there's some like quantum physicists and stuff who are like that. Interesting. It's very interesting because they're able to like keep it separate, compartmentalize both, yeah. but at the same time, a lot of them don't. They go, I view my like the facts as an extension of my beliefs. Interesting. Like they're hmm. able to commingle those. Ethan does not do that at all. No, it he does doesn't. not seem like that. He not seems at all. like it's said that he's like this very religious guy. He does not come off at that at no at all. He's very like all this religious stuff is loony stuff. Can I can I pose a question to you? Yeah. Do you think it's because demons are an innately Catholic thing and he's not Catholic? He's Methodist. I got the feeling that it's because he is unable to compartmentalize both his religion and like his job. Hmm, interesting. And so I think part of it is that A, his worldview is not Catholic. Yeah. And so he's attacking this man because he's like Catholic beliefs are crazy. Yeah. But I think part of it was also just that how do I put this? Like he doesn't have that intermingling of both like his faith and his facts. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't think those should go together. Ah. Uh, and I think it was I pissing see. him off when they started clashing, like mm. within himself. Ah, uh, he's oh, that makes sense actually. Uh, because that explains why he's so angry. Throughout the trial, he is angry because he's like, you can't be bringing religion into this this courtroom. Yeah. He gets really, really angry about it. And I thought that was a very interesting response because it's not just that he's angry, but he's unpleasant. Yeah, he's not, he's not, I don't, wait, unpleasant is the, the word, but I, there's a better word that I can't think of. <clears throat> Spiteful? Like rude? Yeah. He's like innately antagonistic about it. For no, for no reason. For no reason. The thing that I wanted to bring up with the sustained stuff is basically in a court of law, at least in the United States, yeah. don't know about elsewhere. Sometimes, you know, prosecutors or the defense will say something. Yeah. That they shouldn't say. And when this happens, either the judge or the opposition will say, hey, you can't say that. They'll say it in more technical sense, but yeah. they'll say, you can't say this, and this is why. Yeah, like and leading the witness or blah, 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 blah. Because basically you're breaking the rules. Yeah. 
and or it's not relevant or whatever. And the judge will basically rule, hey, I think it are is. you breaking the rules or are you not? If the judge kind of views that, hey, you weren't supposed to say that, what you said is supposed to be stricken from the record. Yeah. Which means, A, it's not going to be like in record of the court case. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the steno will still like write it down. Yeah. But additionally, what it means is that the jury is supposed to like not take what you said into account. Yeah, when making the decision when making for the their trial. decisions. However, that is not how real life works. Oh. A jury juries do their best job to be objective, right? Sure. That's yeah. their yeah, yeah. that's their job. That's their job as a citizen of this country. Yeah. Is you are supposed to be morally objective. Mm-hmm. But you can't just unhear something. Fair. So during the trial, Eric, Evan, what was his Ethan. name? Ethan. Jesus Christ. Uh, Ethan basically, uh, he does it a lot, but he says things he shouldn't. Oh, yeah. Because they're intended to get an emotional response from the jury, even though he knows they're going to be stricken. From the record. But he wants to, like, hmm. subconsciously get them to, to think a certain way. Um, I mean, it works. And it does work super unprofessional. Oh, yeah. And you can even tell the judge is starting to get mad at him. Because she starts bitching at him. It's It's, it's, it's bad. really bad. <laughs> I, that's just why I wanted to break it up. It's his behavior during this trial is super unprofessional. Oh yeah, it's very. That's why I, th- I think he's unable to like deal with like his faith and like his life in the same area. Yeah, is because he's so incensed and like angry and passionate during the whole trial. Yeah, I think that's why he wanted the maximum sentence. He's like, I need to prove that this man is a monster, not that he has a possibility that he's okay. But yeah, he's very, very unprofessional. Super unprofessional. Like you, that is a tool, and you can use. Use it, and you know what? Your job is to win, and I can get using it. However, the amount he uses it is—it's constant. I am—it's su- to the point where if this wasn't a movie, like he would have risked getting his his case thrown out. Oh yeah, because he for sure. Do you know how many times he does it? Like, do you a guess? Oh fucking, I it's don't. It's getting know. close to I think ten. I was gonna say fifteen. Really, you 15. think it was that many? Yeah, dude. I thought it was a little less. Than every 10. fucking Maybe time eight. she brought a witness up, he would be like, she would start talking, and but he would just start yelling at her. It is basically every scene. Well, once I think once he start, begins to realize he's gonna fucking lose, he he can't handle it. Well, he had, he tries to get what she says taken off. Yeah, which I can get. I'm more thinking of the fact that basically every time he talks to a witness, he has something stricken from the record that he says. Yeah, I think that happens like close to ten times, maybe seven it's, or eight. It's a lot, but that's only what we see. That's true. That's insane it's it's very unprofessional i I think that's just something to point out because it shows that he's invested in a way that's unhealthy almost yeah and i think i don't know if i'm reading too much into this Uh, i might be fuck it that's okay that's our job yeah i think part of the reason he's so mad is he's not mad at her like he's not mad about the situation Uh uh-huh i think he's mad at himself i think and hear me out this is i might be stretching here okay i think he's buying into it I think he believes more, and he cannot handle himself being like, I'm a man of God, but I'm believing this hooey from Which a Catholic. Which is Catholic hooey. Catholic hooey. And also, it goes against like my my job. my The thing that I've spent my entire life building up and believing in, the justice system, this man is coming in here, traipsing around, calling demons. Yeah. Like, it's I being allowed. Like, I think he thinks he's being disrespected. Yeah, it, it just felt like he was. He felt like he was being personally attacked. Yeah, and, and it, I think it wasn't that, about him. That idea that his his spiritual beliefs and his like not spiritual 
like beliefs are clashing. Yeah, um, I think it's a bit of self-loathing. Yeah, because it, he can't he can't work it out, right? And it's like, am I a lawyer or am I a man of God? I can't be both. It's just, and I I think that's interesting that he can't do both. Yeah, that says something about him. But I don't know. I just wanted to point that out because you know his story is not the focus of ours. No, our focus is Aaron uh, Moore and Emily. Yeah, but I think it's interesting that 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 is happening in the background, and that's a big part of this. Now I know we've been kind of dunking on him for the past like twenty minutes. Yeah, I still like his character. Oh yeah, he's he's well written. That's what I, I mean. I don't like him. No, yeah, like because we're dunking on him, still a good character. I I don't like him not because he isn't a good lawyer. No, he's a great lawyer. I think I don't like him because he, personally, I don't like him because a he comes off as a dick. He is, but an mostly because he's just purposely unpleasant and unprofessional. Yeah. in a setting where he should be. Mm-hmm. That's why I didn't like him. Yeah, like it's not what he's doing; it's how he's doing it. That's it fair. Felt very <laughs> feels like a slimy lawyer. <laughs> Oh, uh, I thought you were going to say something else. Bob, I think I know what you're... Was it a sunny joke? Oh, no, actually. Oh, okay. It wasn't a sunny joke. It was a... Uh, I'll tell you later. <laughs> Bob's like, I can't say this. All right. Um, oh, no, I could say it. I just have to cut it. Oh. That's all I got to say about the movie, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, who would you recommend it for? Um, Let me think. Let me think. Let me think. I think if you're a fan of true crime, not in the sense of this is a true crime movie, true crime in the sense of this is a court movie. Yeah, I would if say If you more. like court... I don't know. Court movies? Is that a type of movie? I'd say just a courtroom drama. Courtroom drama. If you're into dramas, I think this is a good drama with a supernatural twist. Mm -hmm. If you're into possession movies, I think this is a must-watch because it's so unique. Like, honestly. Maybe not unique, but well done. Well, not unique. Because there is a couple movies that deal with this idea of, is the position... Is the possession real or is it not? But this one's, it's unique in that it still sticks with the middle ground even at the end. Yeah, I think i think that's fair. Uh, if you want a movie, you could like pick apart for a while and talk about mm-hmm. and like really dig into. Because there's a lot of stuff in the movie we didn't even touch. Like there's stuff that we just didn't even talk about that is so cool. So yeah, I those are my recs. I think I'm in the same boat. If you want like a courtroom drama, this is pretty good for that. I think true crime in the sense of people talking about what they witnessed and you get to put the story together yeah. yourself. Mm-hmm. But I think the big one is like if you want a exorcism movie that kind of deals with this middle ground of is this real or is it not? Like kind of a, a neutral take on like kind of a spiritual topic. Yeah. I think it's very good. With that being said, I want us to do something new. Oh. Who do you think wouldn't like this? If you don't like slow movies, it's not it's not slow bad. Once again, it's not slow in a bad way. It's just long. It's an hour 50, you know? It's there's a longer no, movie. There's not really action. No, not really. The only action you really get is the exorcism and it's not that much of the movie. It's very short. Very short, but and it's even then, fucking it's not awesome. Like fighting. It's just tension. Yeah. Action. Mm-hmm. Um, let me think. I think the big one, I think you really captured it with the slowness, where it's not like, it's not trudging along, but it's just no. low energy. Yeah, it's just a and chill movie. I think you really won't like this movie if you're just wanting kind of a classic, oh, there's demons. Yeah, you're not you're not going to get that. That's too. what you're wanting? Not for you. Not for you. Yeah, um, not at all. I think those are the big, the two things. Like if you, yeah. if you don't like slow movies, or if you're wanting like a classic exorcism kind yeah. of film, you're not going to like this one. I think that's why the ratings weren't great. Yeah, that kills me because I really fucking like this movie. I think that's why it was kind of like a 60%. Yeah. The critic score, why do you think that was low? I have no idea, actually. Like, honestly, I'm trying to think of some, like, personally, and I guess we're not, I'm not very picky when it comes to this type of thing, per, like, really. Oh, yeah. My thing is, a movie's a movie. Yeah. And so, like, again, even if I don't like it, they made a movie. That's super cool. But I think every movie has something that can be appreciated about it. For sure. Even if it's, sure. like, a horrible travesty uh, that's disgusting and depraved or whatever. I've seen you a could, few of those. No, not yet. But you can, you can still find something in there that's worth 
<clears throat> saying, hey, look at that. Yeah, that's completely fair, and I, I agree. I'm going to see what someone said about this. Okay, this will be interesting. I'm actually really excited because I'm always curious what other people think besides us. Because, like, we're kind of in our own little echo chamber here. I see stuff online, but it's like, I don't really get to see outside opinions on these sorts of things. Cause, because most of the time, I don't want to get anything spoiled. <laughs> so, why people didn't like it, right? Oh, God. Is they basically say that the moral debates and the drama feel kind of lifeless. And the theology feels weak. And then, like, the scares are lacking. I mean, alright, I guess. I don't, I don't, I, hmm... I don't know if I agree with all of that. I think the movie is, does, it doesn't lack in scares. It's just not built up to be that scary of a movie. I think they're just like, it definitely could have been scarier. I think it's more like they feel like the drama was weak. And then when you introduce the horror elements, like the occult, it makes it seem goofy. Like the fact that like a witness died halfway through the trial. But I liked all that stuff. I did too. Maybe that's just us. But I thought that the combination of both genres, you didn't get necessarily what you were expecting from a courtroom drama. No. Because there's these supernatural elements that sort of undermine what should be something super serious. Yeah, and then but... there's these, the courtroom elements that undermine the exorcism yeah. that should be super heightened and spiritual. But I thought they came together in a way that give you like this middle ground, which I guess yeah. you could find disappointing if you aren't able to appreciate that idea of we're neither. Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like it brought both of those elements together really well into a, a pretty well thought out movie. <laughs> I will say one of the points they do make is that the demonic elements kind of look cookie cutter, like the faces and everything. I mean, sure. But I think I made this point earlier. Those The demonic elements are from the perspective of the people and not Emily Rose. Oh, my God. So yeah. it does make sense that they're kind of kooky because it's what someone would imagine when they hear Demonic yeah, possession. That makes total sense. I don't know. I think for once we don't necessarily agree with the general critic response. Yeah, everyone I mean, was like I, that, but hmm, I don't know. I think this movie is either you're gonna like it essentially or you're not. Yeah, I don't really see anyone going into this movie and going it was okay. Yeah, <laughs> like I feel like you're gonna have a strong opinion. Well, okay, but like okay, forty percent. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like in the middle, but slightly below. Mm-hmm. Or you you liked it. Yeah, and I think that's a good uh, kind of thing to get into. What would you rate it, Bob? Four. I like this movie. Why? <laughs> I think it's a really cool... You, I'm going to say it's unique again. It's a cool spin on a demonic possession that I didn't expect. Yeah. I like combining the real-life courtroom elements with the supernatural spooky demon elements. And I think it's super interesting to see... I think the end of the movie is like... Honestly, I don't want to say perfect. I, almost perfect. Like the fact that it's... Well, yeah, he, it's still gets, a... he still gets served, mm-hmm. but he doesn't... It goes down to time served. Yeah. And it's just like, I didn't expect it, first of all, which is cool. I, lo- I love when a movie surprises me. You know, I hate watching a movie and going, I don't know how that's going to end, or whatever, you know? Fair. I think Jennifer Carpenter's performance is fucking phenomenal. Yeah, I her really like her as an actor. Her performance is nuts. And like, I'm not even saying, like, it's really good, and she's not even, even in most of the movie. No. I- you don't see her that much in this movie. How much would you say she's in it? Like, maybe 20 minutes? I was going to say 30 minutes of screen time max. I wouldn't even say 30. I'd say 20 max. It, dude, she's so fucking cool. It's so, it's so good. Like, I don't know, I don't know how much was her as an actor and how much was the direction she was given, but whichever way it went, it was awesome. I also think all of the supporting actors are good. I don't think there was anyone in this movie that acted and dropped the ball at all. I think the courtroom drama is awesome. I think it's so cool watching Ethan and... Aaron? Aaron, I can't remember her name. Both E names, which was both odd. E names. Uh, go back and forth. I like the slow reveal of the evidence between both of them and how when someone brings something up, you're like, oh, how are they going to refute that? And then they, they come up with something and it's... It feels very, the courtroom parts feel very real because you can tell that Ethan is trying so hard to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that this man is is 
the killer. Like, it, he is responsible. And you can tell that Aaron is against her better judgment being like, I have to defend him because it's my job. But then, like, I support him. But then slowly be realizing that she also believes what he's saying and believes in what he's trying to do. Or does not doesn't necessarily believe him, but believes that he should be let off. Believes in his ideas yeah. of, like, I'm doing this to tell her to tell Emily's story. The only my only reason it didn't hit a five is it could have been scarier. Like it, I, it could have been. You I'm know what put I mean? This out here because you know I forgot on the nope review, so I gave it a five instead of a four point five. Yeah. Why is it not a four point five? I think. Do you think it just didn't get you there? Yeah, I think I think it just didn't get me there. I think those half ratings are very subjective. You know, I think if <laughs> maybe if we gotten more, I I think if it had played up more of the demon stuff. And we got more spooky. Really? It, yeah, it would have done more for me personally. Okay. Because I feel like at an hour 50, you could... Is that just because you wanted more scares? or No, not even. It's not that I wanted more scares. I feel like it could have played up the demon part more. Okay. Like, and I feel like it, that would have benefited... The Emily Rose demon stuff or the, the... The outside demon stuff. Okay. Not the Emily demon stuff. The Emily demon stuff is great. I love that. I just thought that the... I also think the demon stuff with more is good too. I think the demon stuff with Aaron is middling. Yeah. It could have been scarier. It also could have been more explicit. I but yeah, I think it's specifically not explicit so you can view it and go this looks like demon stuff, but it could totally be nothing. Absolutely. And I get why they did that. I'm just not not really a, a fan of it to be honest. Okay. You know what? I mean, those half ratings are very subjective. Yeah. So, whatever. For me, mm-hmm. four as well. I think some of the elements of a courtroom drama and the elements of the exorcist kind of subgenres separately probably aren't the best. I, I think, think that's, that's fair. fair. You know, the way they come together though was very well done. I think that's basically in a combination of a like a supernatural exorcism movie and a courtroom drama. I think this it was done as well as you could hope for. For sure. But I think that was taken and elevated beyond what it should have been because it it manages to play this aspect of neutrality. I think it if it didn't do that if it just leaned one way to you know these people are crazy mm-hmm. or one way to it's a full-on exorcism it would have just been an exorcism movie yeah just it a probably would have been pretty middle honestly and it therefore would have had the issues with those two individual parts because it stays directly in the middle i think it it manages to be a four it manages to go beyond what it normally should be able to do yeah and i think the biggest thing here is the ending you know it's so easy to have a good movie where you get this middle ground or even lean one way or the other and that's fine but it's very hard to not make a clear statement at the end uh there's are you okay if i reference some no i'm not gonna do this i'm not gonna reference the movie i was gonna reference a movie that does a similar thing oh but basically i know of a movie that does a similar play with whether or not like these spiritual forces are real or not yeah. and it it plays it up very in the middle and slightly towards the end it starts to lean one way mm-hmm. but it would have been a great ending except then it comes back again and then it confirms one way oh that sucks and that ruins it but i understand why like a writer or a director would do that because you want that payoff yeah you i know, mean it, it makes you as an audience feel fulfilled but yeah. that would have ruined this movie and i think it it's very it says a lot about the writer and the director that they could look at this and go no we're gonna do the middle ground and it it's such a perfect middle ground this it idea is. that he he's sentenced like he has that that shame hanging over him for the rest of his life he was that, convicted. That he was found guilty. He might have murdered this woman that he probably grew up. She grew up around him. Yeah, he is there like parish, like priest. Yeah, she went to church with him and saw him at least once a week, probably. I mean, you know, pr- probably pretty close. Yeah, with how devout that family was, he has to live with that. But at the same time, the the court was like, "But you served. Like we yeah. think you've suffered enough. Like you tried." I think that's a it's a perfect middle ground. I think it captures that idea of neutrality perfectly, and I think that's what elevates the film 
to a four. I, yeah. I don't think it's more than that because the film does have problems. I mean, yeah, some of the graphics for the demon stuff are cheesy and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Some of the the elements, like you were saying, during the present that are like the supernatural. They didn't, they didn't do anything for me, man. It's not that they didn't do anything for me. They kind of felt that they leaned a little too hard into the supernatural, really? but not in a way that was that I felt like was scary or whatever. Yeah. Okay. You know? Mm-hmm. That's fair. Like, character smelt burning, or, yeah. like, the door to Aaron's apartment popped God, open. God, that... Oh. And those things are very kind of explicit, even though we don't see anything. Yeah. That really leans into the supernatural. I would have liked if they were able to do something scary, mm-hmm. and were able to maintain that perfect middle ground. Sure. I don't know. I think the thing with, like, the psychiatrist dying mid-thing is kind of cheesy. I think it's, it's a very good representation of something that j- can just happen. Yeah. But I think if... Everything except him getting hit by a car happened. It would have been better mm. because it would have been this idea of like he just got scared off, you know, by demons. You know, again, the fact that he gets hit by a car and dies, yeah, feels very explicit. I don't know. There, there's does certain, it really in a way because it feels like basically the the story with Aaron is that uh, the whole time Moore's telling her not to give in to evil. Mm-hmm. Like you have to stick with the trial and try to prove the facts about Emily. Yeah. Or you're giving in to evil. The psychiatrist gives in. He decides not to testify. And so the demons take him. Sure. I don't know. Yeah. Just, I guess I guess you could see it like that. My thing is like... But I did like the fact that he gets really scared and runs away. Yeah. And I think the fact that he was hit by a car, something that could literally happen to anyone, is completely... That's good. Where yeah. it happens is odd. Like, it's in a parking lot. Yeah. Yeah, it is a little weird. It's a little weird. Like it's if, a little strange, but it's still plausible. If we had watched him run into a street and then he gets hit by a car, yeah, I think that would have worked better. Maybe. I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't think the film's perfect. That's fair. I think I it could have done things better. I'm not sure what. I I think more scary. But I think it. Yeah, maybe, maybe for because, me personally. Like if you, it feels more like a courtroom drama with hints of horror. Yeah, which is nice if you're watching a bunch of horror movies. It's nice yeah. to have something different. I liked um, it, but it's not really very scary. So maybe, no. maybe it could have had more of that. I just, I don't think it was a four point five either. I think the exorcism, the exorcism itself is phenomenal. Yeah, maybe if I, I think if you're right, if the if the flashbacks to from the defense's side of Emily. Yeah, were a little bit more had that oomph that, that the exorcism has. I think it would. I would, I really would have liked it, it better, and maybe it would have been a four point five because it it needs that horror element. It does. It's um, a very chill movie until you get to the exorcism, and then it fucking pops which off. Which is fine. It works really well. It does. But there great. is that tonal shift at the exorcism. Yeah. So four. Yeah, I agree. Is that it. Do we do anything else? Do you have anything else you want to talk about? Nope. I guess let's go to the outtakes. Yeah, I guess we're gonna head to the outtakes. We'll see you in a minute, everybody. See ya. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the outtake section for this episode of Beware the Board. I hope you enjoyed our review of Emily Rose. I really enjoy that movie. I think it's a really cool insight into the morality of exorcisms and their effects. Without further ado, let's get into this week's outtakes. This first one coming up is a conversation that Ben and I had before the movie where, well, let's just say I closed my eyes. You know what? I need to close. Where are you, Sean? Ooh, it just got darker in here. What'd you do? I turned off the home screen. And also, you close your eyes. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I knew I closed my eyes, fucker. I thought that was the joke you were making. <laughs> Absolutely not. I was genuinely wondering what you were up to. Alright, um... Yeah, that's what movie we were watching. Why is it dark in here? You closed your eyes. <laughs> I thought that was it. the joke you were making, and I wasn't gonna react. And I was like, you know what, I'm just gonna... Ben, hit the lap thing, please. <laughs> I can't see. Thank you. 
This next clip is my reaction to an alarm clock in Aaron's room stopping at exactly 3 a.m. and her waking up in a cold sweat. Oh, is this the... Oh, God! Oh. Oh. That was intense. <laughs> no, it wasn't. That was intense. That scared the shit out of me. I thought something bad was going to happen, Ben. It was a clock. <laughs> stopped at 3 a.m., right? It still stops. Yeah. Yeah, the witching hour, right? Uh, I think so. I think that might be the devil's hour. Oh, like fuck. <laughs> this next clip is our reaction to Emily Rose's first demonic encounter in her dorm room at college. Oh, what a cool little hallway. Yeah, Ryan, it reminds fuck. me of the dorms. Yeah, it does really remind me of the dorms. <laughs> Not my dorm, but other people's dorms. No, like the dorm I had to stay in for orientation. Oh, yeah, definitely orientation Those dorm. shitty ones. Oh, yeah. Those things sucked ass, bro. That always sucked, because you had to go for like a day. Yeah. But you had to. It did suck, dude. It was awful. And then I ended up with a way nicer dorm than that. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Awesome. That's so cool. At what point would the shit have leaked out of your asshole, Bob? Uh, 20 minutes ago. <laughs> when I woke up at 3 a.m. in a cold sweat, thinking something was on fire. Oh, thank God. Oh, wait. Oh, no. We're not good, are we? Or are we good? Are we good? Everything's fine. Go back to bed. Mm, see, I would not be going back to bed after that. Ah! What the fuck? What is that? Oh, it's pens. And like a cup <gasps> holder thingy. It's Pepper! Shut up. Oh! Alright. Well, that sucks. Oh, that really sucks. Oh, this really, really, really sucks. Oh my god, what in the fuck? Oh, okay. <gasps> oh! That's like actually like nightmare fuel. Maybe Pepper's just giving her a really strong hug. Oh my god. That was so disturbing. This next clip is our reaction to watching Emily have demonic terrors in the middle of class, running out into the rain, and then eventually ending up in a chapel. Now she's just crying in the middle of class. Well, I mean, understandable, right? <laughs> yeah, you know what? <laughs> Look at that dude. That's completely fair. He's just like, Are you okay? I've never. Oh my god! Absolutely not. Fuck this. I rescind it. This is I don't like this movie anymore. 
Holy shit, dude. Is the spooky vase. <laughs> that scared the shit out of me. I was not expecting that. Kind of nice. It's like third time's the charm. You know, they did one in the cloud, one on the mirror, and then one on a person's face. Yeah. <gasps> oh. This is so cool. Oh. No, see, they're not going to be nice, are they? They're going to be real spooky too, huh? Yep. That's really cool. It's a nice couple with an umbrella. Oh, she tripped. She looks a little wild. Away she goes. There's her friend. <laughs> yeah. Her special friends. Damn. It's the chapel. She looks messed up now. <laughs> These two people in the church. Yeah. She's been like, uh. <gasps> Boy! Oh my fuck. Once again, scared the shit out of me. Jesus Christ. This next clip is our reaction to Erin learning that a man that she got off sometime last year ended up killing two people, as well as a short conversation about bathrooms in horror movies. When you realize the guy you got off murdered someone again. Nice. That sucks. I mean, it's not great. No. At least she kind of cares. Mm-hmm. Started tearing up. Yeah. Like, there's there's two responses to that. You you either get really emotional because you're like, oh, God, I killed someone. Or you don't give a fuck. Or you don't give a fuck. This is the better response. Yeah. Her turning on the water fucking scared me. Jesus Christ. And then there was a thud. No, it's okay. It's just a bathroom lady. Just a simple bathroom lady. No need to worry. You know what I hate, Benjamin? Scenes in movies with bathrooms. Bathroom scenes. They're always bad. Nothing good ever happens in the bathroom. I don't know. You don't shit your pants in the bathroom. Oh, no, you shit the toilet. It's very different. <laughs> yeah, that's a good thing. But there are always mirrors in the bathroom, you know? Look, it's 259. Is this where that is that where this trope came from? No. No, Bob. Of course not. Because it's doing it. For you? You let me do it for you. <laughs> I hate that fucking sound. This next clip is our reaction to Aaron's first and I think only supernatural experience throughout the entire movie in her apartment. <gasps> Salt and pepper! Oh no! <laughs> it's pepper. I was gonna make a salt and pepper joke, you know, like the band. The band? It's a band. I was gonna make a joke like Peppa the Demon. Or Peppa or the Pig. Or Ghost or whatever she is. I'm not please, assuming her spiritual you stop? identity. Stop it right now. Oh no, the gas stove. At least she's in Florida. Oh no, she she's smelling something burning. Remember how Oh yeah. They were recounting that Emily smelled some burning. Oh fuck this, man. This movie's freaky. That's why she looked at the smoke detector when she walked yeah, into the room. That's why she smelled the fucking glass or the stove. The glass? The stove. The burner. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? Just getting some water. 
Oh, fuck off. Fuck right off. Welcome to... Ah! The scary door. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Maybe, maybe I'm gonna it's be calm. nothing. I'm going to stay calm. Well, whatever it is, it already came inside, I think. Fuck you, movie. You didn't even give me anything. Not even a little jump scare. Bob, you got scared by the glass. <laughs> yeah. See, everything's fine. She's just going to go back to sleep. Well, that's what Emily tried, and it didn't fucking work out for her. And nothing bad happens when you're sleeping. Oh, nothing bad happened. We're good. This next clip is my reaction to Emily contorting and twisting and writhing because she is possessed by a demon. <gasps> oh! Oh, she should not look like that. No, get no, don't, no, 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 no. You know what she looks like? Ah, uh, something. Have you seen it like an insect when it keels over and dies? Yes. That, she, yeah, kind of. Looks like, uh, oh, the way her neck is bent, bro. Not even that. Do you see her leg back there? Yeah. Ugh. Ah. Hey. God damn. Why are you, uh, oh, her mouth turned into the moon. This next clip is our reaction to the priest and Emily's father going upstairs to perform the exorcism and finding her eating spiders and scratching marks into the walls. Oh my god. What has happened to her room? No, 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 bro. I, no. Oh, what is she doing? Oh, ew! Oh my god, she's fucking eating spiders! Ah! Uh. Ugh! Ah! Her, claw her fucking nails must be so sharp if she's doing that. Or they're just ripped to the bone. Oh! She's so unhinged! Oh, she's ripping her hair out. That's awesome. Ugh, it's gotta hurt. That has to hurt. Oh my god. This is horrific. This is an awful sequence. Oh my god! I'm honestly, I'm surprised she's not biting one of them right now. This next clip is our reaction to Ethan interrupting one of the witnesses that Aaron has brought forth. And when the judge asked on what grounds, let's just say he gives a very creative answer. Uh -huh. I love listening to anthropologists. It's very interesting, for sure. How about silliness, Your Honor? <laughs> How about silliness, Your Honor? That, that has to be the name of the episode, right? Next outtake begins with a reference to the movie Holes and ends with a callback to one of my favorite movies ever. Look, it's three o'clock again. Fuck off. <laughs> I'm tired of this.
I'm tired of this, Grandpa. <laughs> well, that's too damn bad. That's what the voice just whispered. What the fuck? No. Oh, the tape recorder started playing. That's really cool. That's awesome. Man, how nice this is. Oh, God. Dude. Oh, thank the God. doctor made her a, mis- a mixtape. <laughs> Call him Dr. Mixter. <laughs> Doctor Mixter, what a cu- what a callback! <laughs> you said a very different word there, huh? I said what a callback. <laughs> you said what a cunt. <laughs> you went what a callback. <laughs> you like stuttered. <laughs> Did I? Yeah, I didn't notice. This next clip is my reaction and surprised when the psychiatrist that Aaron was going to have take the stand ends up getting hit and killed by a car in a freak sudden accident. Why is he running? Oh my god, what the fuck? It just cuts away from that? You're not going to explain that to me? What? He's dead? Hello everybody, welcome back. I hope you enjoyed the outtakes. I know we got quite a few. We uh we have a new system for getting the outtakes out. We had I think last time we counted 22. Yeah, for anyone who's curious, we came up with the idea of using a lap timer. Yeah. Basically, it's a it's a timer that times the whole movie and then every time you hit a button it marks a lap. You're basically marking the timestamp so when I go to edit this, yeah. I don't have to do as much work. And however, also so we can secure more outtakes. Yeah, however, I will say, the lap timer we're using is Bob's phone. Yeah. And instead of marking like the time from the total, it does a count since the last lap. So I'm going to add it all up, but it's fine. So I'll have to add it all up. Uh, if you have a better idea for counting outtakes, let us know. Or if you know of a device, like a, yeah. basically like a lap timer we could put on the table and just like hit. Yeah. Because I know they have stopwatches that do them, uh, but they can't do like 20 or something. Yeah. But I think that was fun. I thought it worked yeah, pretty well. Yeah, it worked out. Do we have any announcements? Oh. um, I was going to ask. It's February right. now. So Valentine's Day. We're doing Valentine's Day. That's coming That's up. That's the next holiday, guys. So the Next holiday, Valentine's Day. Yeah. Uh, that's the only one we're going to announce I think that's right the only now. thing for this month, right? Well, we have something else coming out this month. But I don't want to talk about that yet. Okay. That's fine. Anyway... Uh, if you want to, follow us on Twitter at Beware the Board. It's where I post all of our updates. If Whenever the episodes for the show go live, they go there. And every Monday? Every Monday, I post spoilers for what movie we're watching. Or movies. Or movies. This week, I had to... Fu- last week, sorry. I had to put up three. We did three episodes in a fucking row. <laughs> Hope you like that. Nuts. Absolutely bananas, the editing <laughs> I had to do for that. Considering audition is two fucking hours long... Bob missed work one night because he fell asleep after editing. <laughs> yeah, I fucking, I passed out. Otherwise, you know, check us out on YouTube. That's the only place we're posting yeah. these right now. Oh. So, you know, really, if it possesses you, or maybe it doesn't, <laughs> hit that subscribe button. Maybe that like button. I don't know. Maybe you're in the middle. Oh, my God. I didn't know where you were going with that. That was fucking funny. That was a good one. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, check us out on YouTube. We will be on podcast platforms soon. We have gotten more new concept art. Yeah, we have concept art now. More concept art. We're slowly getting there. 
at some point, this will be wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah. Spotify. Anchor uh, FM. Apple Podcasts. Apple Podcasts. Wherever you get your podcasts, we will be there. But, you know. Soon. Not hopefully. for a while. Maybe season three. Listen, man. Season two, we got it. I swear. I promise. I don't know. I I said that about season one. I, it didn't happen. I was talking to Bob about this the other day. This was episode 15, right? Oh, God. We've yeah. already done five spaces on this board. We have four spaces That's left. whack, bro. That's only four more weeks. God, I'm fucking scared. Well, no. Four more weeks and then the wrap-up. The wrap up. But for us recording, it's really only four more weeks. So. Yeah, because we usually record the wrap-up after the last episode. Because it's easier. I think we might finish recording before we get it. Maybe. Not that he's like slow or anything. He's been pumping out these concepts. No, we've been, and it, it looks good. I just don't know how long I'm it'll so take us to decide to on what, something. I'm so excited to like be able to reveal it. It's so cool. Oh. You have anything else? Oh, if you have any recommendations for the random category on the board, leave them in the comments. If you have recommendations for movies you want us to watch... Leave them in the comments so Benjamin can sift through them. Yeah. Uh, if you have any, like, recommendations for things you'd, like, want us to talk about after yeah, the movie. Absolutely. Or, like, things you want me to add during the pre. Yeah. Like, you know, new categories of stuff you want me to cover. Absolutely. Let me know because that's always cool. I, it's good to have that for the next board when we get to that. Absolutely. Uh, as I don't know if anyone's noticed, as we've been doing the holiday movies on this board, I started to add more stuff. Yeah. Like, the post-movie discussion notes and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I like the post-movie discussion stuff. It always helps me come up with cool ideas me to too. talk about. Or just to remember stuff. Yeah, like absolutely. Like I came up with during the movie. Mm-hmm. That's all I got, though. Yeah, I think that's it. Have a nice week, everyone. I guess we'll see you next week, everybody. And remember, always beware the board. <laughs> <laughs>